Let's go up to our ring announcer. The following podcast is scheduled for one episode. And is our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Outside, we couldn't see it from our vantage point. Wrestling fans, and welcome to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Glad to be with you to kick off Season 9 here on Monday, May 14th, 2018, episode number 81. Thanks so much for being back with us as we romp through the world of retro wrestling. I am still Joe Murata, and that still is, last time I checked, Michael Quinn. How you doing there, Michael? Howdy doody. Welcome. Season 9! <laughs> I knew you were going to find a way to shoehorn that in yeah. here. Worst joke. Yes, uh, the best joke, you yeah. mean. Uh, folks, thank you so much for being with us. You are the best fans, and we have some great topics for you. Before we get into any of that, I just want to remind you to reach us on Twitter, if you haven't yet, at OVP Podcast. You can also email us at OVPPodcast at gmail.com. That is OVP Podcast at gmail.com. But Quinn, the place to be with us is the Facebook group. Yes, the Facebook group over at facebook.web.sync.facebook. <laughs> um, it's a great place. And What happens there? Yeah, there's talking about all sorts of things, like the greatest Royal Rumble or Dana Warrior's new podcast. Oh, or yeah. Just various other stuff. But actually, it's more retro. Yeah, we mainly saying, do retro. I'm just saying things because those are like the goofy-ass yeah. shit that's been going on lately. But Trending topics. Yeah, the trending <laughs> topics. But it usually veers towards the more retro flavor. Sure, if you want to talk about Rick Martel's model gimmick, we're all ears, you know? Right, yeah, we love to talk about that over if, there. If you want to talk about Carrie Von Erich, we're, uh, we're one foot. Thank you. And you can find that on Facebook, right? Yes. <laughs> Still on Fa- Facebook? Facebook, the website. <laughs> you ever hear of it? And you search for our Vantage Point Retro Wrestling Podcast. You forgot the dash. Oh, sorry. Dash Retro Wrestling Podcast. And then yeah. we, we let them in? Yeah, we let them in. All right, good. So we're at the Ellis Island, I think we established last week, right? Yes. We- yeah, we want you. We want you to be there. We, we're we not going to make fun of you. I mean, we might, but we probably won't make fun of you. We have a good immigration policy <laughs> over at Facebook. We do. So search for our vantage point dash retro wrestling yeah. podcast on Facebook and we will let you in. Not only that, we have a couple of friends of the show that we like to give a little love to every single week. We have the wrestling podcast about nothing. That is W-P-A-N. It is hosted by two guys who work in the business. We have independent wrestling referee. Currently on an extended hiatus, mean Mike Crockett. He's joined by a wrestler, Quinn, ROH's own, Brian Malonis. Yes, the Wine City Whaler himself. <laughs> Wine City Whaler. Each week, they will talk about wrestling, their recollections of working in the business, some of their best moments, worst moments, maybe their favorite things in wrestling as fans. Sometimes you'll even get an exclusive interview. A few weeks back was uh, ROH's Bobby Cruz. Yeah, not to be mistaken with Pacific Blue's Bobby <laughs> Cruz from the finale last week. That's correct. Yeah. So that's a great show, the wrestling podcast about nothing. And there's another one. It's Our Little Brother. It's greetings from Allentown or GF Allentown. He hosts a very lonely one-man show, Quinn, by himself on his bed or something like that. Yeah, some, on his couch or something. <laughs> little Petey Winston, our little brother. And basically this show, he takes an episode of wrestling and he talks about it, but also a bunch of other things. Yeah, a whole bunch of things like um, where he went to college yep. and some arena in Massachusetts or wherever. Yeah, in I know. Maine. Is that <laughs> I where, don't know where he went to college? Yeah. No, it's from Massachusetts. But. Yeah, but I, I, not Allentown. What is it? The Gund Arena? I don't even. I don't. <laughs> it's I, Cleveland. I always forget the name of the arena that he talks know. about. But you know what I'm saying? In Lowell, I don't know. Yeah. But anyway, so that's GF Allentown. <laughs> Greetings from Allentown. Be sure to check him out as well, Quinn. 
Last season, we yes. wrapped up a segment called the butterfly effect. The butterfly's dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all, all that flapping, and that's how it ends. But I bet our fans didn't know that you and I actually, on the side, have been undertaking a career as private wrestling investigators. Oh, did anyone know that? I don't know if anyone knew that. And uh, we've prepared a little uh, a little song here for you to listen to as we uh, we talk about OVP on the case. And this is a uh, a segment where this season, in season nine, Quinn and I are going to do a little detective work and talk about some of the finer mysteries of wrestling. Well, let's take a listen and see what there is. You're on the case. On the case. You're on the case. You're the detective now, kid. And nothing's stopping you. There's justice to be served. So serve it. The year was 1987. WrestleMania 3 had just taken place in front of 93,173 people. Or did it? Quinn and I took a look here at a case that was opened up because allegedly 78,000 people only attended this event. Where did the other 15,000 go? Who's right and who's wrong? Quinn and I took a look, and we'll present our findings, won't we, Quinn? So let's let's take a look at this thing, right? Um, yes. Yeah. Oh, excuse me. Okay. So, Quinn, the big rumor, the big thing, especially, you know, Dave Meltzer contingency, you right. know, Manch and all that stuff, is there were only 78,000 people at WrestleMania 3, not 93,000. Mm-hmm. That's not the real number, but... Uh... The basis of that, of why he says that, Meltzer... Uh-huh is the promoter of the Silverdome. Not not WrestleMania 3, because obviously the promoter of WrestleMania 3 was Vince. Yeah, Vince and Kennedy <laughs> McMahon. Yes, Kennedy. Kennedy! Yeah. Uh, but Zane Breslov was the promoter for the Silverdome, the local promoter. And apparently, after the A&E special on wrestling in 1997... Is that the one that says Hulk Hogan, like, <laughs> killed Andre or whatever? No, that's a different one. Oh, okay. That's the Hulk Hogan A&E special. Uh-huh, sorry. <laughs> I wrestled Andre the Giant with these boots on, and then a couple days later, he passed on. But no, uh, after the A&E special called the uh, the Untold Truth or the Unreal Truth of Professional Wrestling or whatever, apparently uh, Zane Breslov called Dave Meltzer and was like, hey, did you know it wasn't really 93,000 like they said? What a fucking twerp. <laughs> so for the past 20 years, Quinn, people have argued with Dave Meltzer and amongst each other about the real attendance. They have used pictures, zoomed in on things, mm-hmm. you know, no empty seats, but they added extra seats and this and then they they had come up with a number. The bottom line is WWE is not going to, even if they're making it up, right? Right. They're not going to say that. Of course it's not. It's wrestling. Yeah. They exaggerate. Yeah, no shit. Let's talk about it, though. What do you think? I actually think it's sort of a falsehood that it's 78,000. You think it's more? I think it's more just because didn't the Pope or some shit come to Silverdome? Or they, I remember yes. somebody citing some other event that went there, right? Apparently, people are saying that the Pope's numbers are fudged also. And they created a fake number for the Pope. <laughs> Wait, where is that in the canon? It's real, people Why say. Why would they fudge I that? Who know. even cares? Like, seriously. I don't, I don't what know. were the Pope's numbers again? Were they, they were like 90-something thousand. But th- th- that seems consistent, no? <laughs> I would think so. The people that say that it's 78 are A, because it's wrestling, right? Yeah. And you exaggerate in wrestling, which obviously I agree with yeah, that. Yeah, but then the Pope gives you a number just about the same, so... I know, and the Pope obviously would never lie, Quinn. Well, <laughs> what is the reason the Pope would lie? Because <laughs> if he were to lie, 
wouldn't he say it was just a hundred thousand flat or something? Like, but, <laughs> why would it, why ninety three or whatever the fuck the Pope said? Also, I don't know. The thing that I have a problem. Welcome to our vantage point where we're talking about the Pope. Yeah. Our vantage Pope. Yeah. The, the problem that I have, Quinn, is that while there are additional seats added clearly to the floor of the there Silver has Dome, to be because it's wrestling. Correct, <laughs> and, and you take up more than you would for football or anything like that. Right. It's hard to tell from pick. I mean, people say it doesn't look like there's any empty seats, but that's that's I, not a scientific argument. I don't know. Did you see that uh, post that uh, Bruce Pritchard put up with that overhead shot? That br- brand new, brand uh-huh. new overhead shot too. So did he doctor that because you know Imagine. how he works for the company <laughs> and stuff? He's a crony or whatever. You think like just just to propound the the rumor or whatever? Yeah, the, the rumor and innuendo. Yeah. I don't know about using a couple of pictures, though, that have existed as proof that there's no empty seats. I mean, come on. I don't on. know. I think an overhead shot from the ceiling is pretty definitive, no? I don't know, Quinn, but how can you realistically see if there's not people missing in each that little That was a seat? very high-resolution photo. You could actually zoom in on it. Folks, and obviously a part of this on the case segment that we're going to do all season is we want to get your opinion. Some of these are going to be open and shut. Some of them are going to be more open-ended. Yeah. Now, truthfully, Quinn... The number could very well be somewhere between 78 and 93. Would you at least acquiesce to that? I could acquiesce to that, but I just don't think 78 sounds too low. It does for seem the building. Low. For, the, for the building. Because the, the official capacity of the Silverdome for sports is 80-something. Right, and that's without all the room. Right. So how could that possibly... Like, there's no empty seats from all overhead shots, all angles I've ever seen. I mean, I don't see any on camera when I watch the show. That's for sure. Have you noticed that new photos have started to come out? Yeah, and I don't see any. You're right. Just recently. So I've seen it recently with my own eyes. This isn't like, and I didn't even like intend to research it. I just saw it. Yeah, isn't there a giant post on Imgur or something like that? Yeah. About a, like, well, just, it came from Squared Circle and they're hosting it on Imgur. Right. Yeah. Yeah. From Squared Circle where it's like 30 something pictures of some dude. Yeah, some guy that like, actually was there, unlike Dave Meltzer, match. 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 Do you believe that 93,000 people would go to see Hogan Andre? Yeah, why not? It's in the middle of like nowhere. They blacked yeah. out pay-per-view in yeah. Detroit. Yeah. The only way to see it if you lived in that vicinity was to go. Yeah, and we're talking like the golden age when like wrestling was at its most popular. It was. If anything, it's not 78. Maybe maybe it's 88. 88. 85 even I could see because it's see, more I think closer to 88 I really if you were any smaller than like 88 you would see like gaps I think you're right even say it's 93 and 88 the real number mm-hmm. or 87 for example let's right? go with 87 yeah that's what 88 89 90 it's 91 four, 92 it's like 6,000 off. 6, off and yeah. they probably added about 6,000 how many seats do you think they could add to the floor a bit 5,000 maybe a lot that, five that, six thousand like a football field it is and yeah. the, and the other thing one of the arguments people make is well you know there can't be that many because there's a big set it's there's no there is set. no set yeah it's just an, it's if an you aisle. notice when they come through it's like msg but just yeah. in a gigantic <laughs> arena yeah there's just one aisle yeah that's all there is and they're right? all filled right that's what i'm saying there's a, like a little empty space between where the seats start and like the upper level or yes. whatever be- mm-hmm. but that's like you have to for fire reasons and shit so people can like get out yes but i mean i'm not thinking that that would take up twenty thousand no. people or something like <laughs> right. throughout the whole arena now let me ask you this quinn what reason would vince have to lie up that high just to be impressive you know here's the thing that really gets me about it is who the fuck knows especially in 1987 off the top of their head the official seating capacity 
of the Silverdome. Besides people that need to he know. He could have literally, he could have said 78,000 and it still would have been impressive. You're so, right about that. Like, who cares? He like, could have said 83 and it would yeah. have been, holy crap, that's a lot of people. Yeah, he could have said 60,000 and it would have been <laughs> impressive because it's 1987. There was nothing like that ever. No, there really wasn't. Like, I mean, come on. Yeah, so I don't understand like what reason he has to like lie. And if it was if he was really inflating it, I don't understand why you wouldn't just go to the even number of 100,000. Right, or 101. Yeah. You know, try, then bump it up even a little further. Right. The twist in all this, Quinn, is that Zane Breslov, at some point in the 90s, by the time he told Meltzer, was actually in bed with Eric Bischoff in WCW. Oh, so now things are starting to add up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the one thing that people don't seem to ever mention because they always say, he's dead, by the way. They always say, well, why, uh, why would Zane Breslov lie? Well, in 1997 or 8, when he called Meltzer about it, if he was working for Eric Bischoff, that's right. exactly why he would lie. Yep, because totally makes sense. Bischoff gave away results to freaking Raw. Bischoff did anything he could to screw Vince. Why wouldn't he put reasonable doubt into the freaking attendance of their biggest show ever? We should uh, write into 83 weeks or whatever and ask <laughs> them about that shit. Did you get your shirt yet before the podcast started a couple <laughs> yeah. weeks ago? <laughs> we, should, we, should, we should launch a separate podcast, Joe, and just make only a shirt store and never launch and the never podcast. And never launch the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Just to make a point. I think it's wholly realistic that <laughs> 80-something people, 80-something thousand people would go to WrestleMania 3. I think 78 is too low for the following reasons. I'll restate them. And folks, again, let us know what you think. Let us know on Twitter, email, join the Facebook group, pass through Ellis Island there. Yeah. Um, here's why I think. Because the official capacity is over 80. Right. Adding the seats guarantees you more than 80, even if you take away a little for the aisle and a few things. Right. And 33 million people watch that rematch on TV the next year. Yeah, you mean so, to tell me that 90 wouldn't go see it? Right. Yeah, actually, the rematch thing is also a big factor. If that it many is. people gave a shit. Right. And obviously, this was some kind of like mania, no pun intended. Mm, you know? Yes. People cared. My official verdict, Quinn, is it's not 93-173. I, I believe that that's a made-up number. But I would say it's much closer to 93 than it is 78. Okay, this might surprise you. I just think it's flat 93,173. Do you really? You're really going the, the official. The reason I think that is because why the fuck the one set? Like, it's so <laughs> stupidly specific. It's very specific, yeah. And, and, like, they go out of their way to announce the exact number. A brand new indoor attendance record of 93. I don't know, Quinn, but it is wrestling where they fabricate a lot of things. Usually when they fabricate shit, they're not that specific. In fact, they're very stupid and like not good at veiling it. Like <laughs> so like the fact that it's ninety three thousand one seventy three, like why not just say ninety four? Well, because then that sounds too even and made up, you know what I mean? I don't know. It's just a weird fucking number that's in my head. Yeah. It's only in my head because they announced it. So like I just don't know. I don't see the purpose of lying about the number. I'll tell you the truth. Dave Meltzer has said, he's gone on the record and said that until Zane Breslov called him, he believed that it was 93-173. Yeah. He, he said he believed it. And if he was so, you know, snarky and smarky, I don't think he would have. You know, it's one other thing we didn't mention, actually. Go ahead. If Zane Breslov, right, whatever his motive was sure. or whatever, mm -hmm. and he gave him that number. Yeah. 
How do we know that that number is not just the paid tickets and the rest were comped? That's one of the things that people have argued as well. Yeah. And, you know, Meltzer, you know, well, you can check the turnstile count, but I don't think they did for WrestleMania 3. I don't think so either. I think it, 78 could be a dumbed down number that Vince gave for tax purposes. Oh, well, yeah, I forgot about that. You know, and that was maybe the paid and they comped 15. Yeah, perhaps. I could see that. Yeah. They never said 73, 170, I mean, 93, 173 was the paid attendance. Right. They, Who the hell knows what the paid attendance was? They just said it was the amount of people in the building. And why would Zen, Zane, Bre, Zen, Zane, Zen Breslov, Zane whatever. Breslov. Yeah. Why? Why would his why, parents name well, him that? No, but why would he know the actual total when he's like just the guy? He promoted the show in yeah, Detroit. I don't know. No, but I mean that like, why wouldn't he know? He would only know the paid. How do they even track comps? This is a case where I have to side with Bruce Pritchard more than Dave Meltzer. They argue about it, too. And I, that's not why we did this one, but because we've just never really talked about it in detail. Yeah. But Bruce Pritchard says, like, why would they exaggerate it up when for tax purposes? Right. They'd be paying more. Yeah, that's another. Yeah. I mean, they they could have said it was 30,000 people. <laughs> yeah. Which just, no one would have believed. Quinn, yeah. But. but I mean, if they were really trying to fucking get away from I know. IRS, Mike Rotundo. Yeah. There, <laughs> we didn't want Mike Rotundo knocking on the door. Yeah. Well, folks, let us know what you think, whether you think it's 78, whether you think it's 93, 173 precisely. Maybe you think it's somewhere in the middle. You can do that by reaching us on Twitter at OVP podcast. Join the group, the Ellis Island of retro wrestling podcast groups. But in the meantime, we will be back with, the first Rushmore and Death Valley of the season and that's coming up right after this I always thought that the number was was legit just because I had no reason not to and then one night uh, there was a TV special on Hulk Hogan and Zane Breslov who was the promoter of the event you know called me up and goes you know god they you know they they, they said 93,000 and then it's like I wonder if they actually believe it. And I go, isn't that real? He goes, no, it's not real. And I go, well, what's the real number? He goes, 78,000. He goes, we sold out. I mean, maybe, you know, maybe we could have gotten 93,000, you know, but we didn't. No. Hi, this is Jameson. Remember me? Yeah, me neither. You're listening to Our Vantage Point Retro Wrestling Podcast. It's the best. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thanks so much for kicking off Season 9 with us. That's right, episode number 81 here on Monday, May 14th, 2018. One thing that I forgot to mention at the top of the show, Quinn, somebody's got a birthday coming up tomorrow. Oh, yeah, that. Yeah, you. Remember you? Yeah. <laughs> Everyone wish Quinn a happy birthday tomorrow on the Facebook group, May oh, 15th. That would be very nice. Quinn's birthday, 22 years old, right? Yeah, 22 this year. <laughs> that. Always. Old man humor over here. Yeah. Every year I'm 22. <laughs> yeah, every year. Uh, folks, we are here to kick off yet another season of Mount Rushmore and Death Valley. This is where each week we have put and we will continue to put four of the best of something onto Mount Rushmore and four of the worst go down into the desert of Death Valley. We have a fan suggestion. I want to mention you can put in your suggestions at ovppodcast.com. Go to the suggestions tab. This one is by our old showrunner, Quinn, the executive producer of OVP Podcast, AJ Smith. Remember uh, him? Yes, I remember him. I Been definitely remember AJ Smith because his name is all over the Rushmore segment. <laughs> Been quite a while since we had one from him. And this is the Mount Rushmore and Death Valley of... King 
King of the Ring tournaments. King of the Ring tournaments. Now, King of the Ring was a nice annual staple, Quinn, in June for quite a while. Yeah, it's the precursor to Money in the Bank, basically. I mean, seriously, like, they act like Money in the Bank's a big deal now, just like they did with the King of the Ring. Yep, it was the old... It's it's like the minor big deal (laughs) in the middle of the year. It was the old June pay-per-view, and uh, it was a pay-per-view from 1993 until 2002, and after that, they had a few sporadic tournaments here and there. Yeah, to me, it, it has the weird anomaly of being the only pay-per-view added when the big four were still, like, a thing. Right, yeah. In 93, out of nowhere, they just dumped in a fifth pay-per-view. Right, and then they just left it that <laughs> way just, for a while. Yeah, until no one cared about it. Yeah. What's interesting, though, Quinn, and I guess you and I discussed this off mic here, is that uh, we're not going to talk about the tournaments before 1993, Namely, because you can't watch all of them because they weren't televised. Yeah, unless you lived in Rhode Island or Massachusetts. I mean... <laughs> like P.D. Winston. Yeah, the Providence <laughs> Civic Center in the Sullivan Stadium. Literally, there's like six King of the Rings yeah. from those two places. Yep, 85 to 91, they had a bunch of King of the Rings. 92 yeah. was the only year where they didn't have one. And then starting in 93, they were on pay-per-view. Quinn AJ is the executive producer, so he had the pick. But why don't you take the stick? Give me one of the best ones, in your opinion. Honestly, the one that stands out to me, and I think it's really because the ending is yep. 96. Like, that's I think true. I, I think that's like the first one you talk about. And I don't remember the tournament being great or anything. It's not. But fuck. I mean, like, it launched Austin. It did launch Austin, and that has to have some weight to it. Now, folks, we're not judging this strictly on a star rating scale match and all that. It's a combination of, all right, were there any good matches? Great impact the overall roster in the tournament the ending there they all have different weight to them here. okay well why don't, I, why don't i go over some of the participants from the bracket first sure go ahead we had ahmed johnson <laughs> vader yep gold dust okay the warrior yep ultimate warrior yes yeah yeah him. hunter hearst helmsley sure triple h jake, jake the snake who's going to be a big story in this thing mm-hmm. justin the hawk bradshaw Ugh. Ugh. Henry Godwin, which I don't have a problem with him. He's fine. Austin. Yep. Bob Sparky Plug. <laughs> Marty Janetti. Ew. Savio Vega. Ew. Mark Marrow. Eh. Skip. Really? Owen Hart and Yokozuna. Who, by the way, Owen Hart and Yokozuna faced each other in the first round. Mm, you own one. Yeah. That is a pretty good, obviously, there's a couple of crappy uh, seeds there. Well, but you have to take the roster into account that year. That's pretty much the, the cream of the crop besides the main event scene. Uh, besides Skip. And Skip and Bob Holly, maybe. But yeah. But you got to have some clunkers in there. I feel yeah. like that's a tradition with the King of the Ring. Like, people who are like, why are they even in this? But they're yeah. there just to, like, lose to somebody. Tell you what, the semifinals on this one is an impressive array of names. Well, maybe except for one of them, but Vader. Yeah. Jake Roberts. Mm-hmm. And then the other match was Austin Amero. And the surprising, the Jake gets past Vader. Yeah, I always like that. Yep. The whole Jake story, actually, to me, it was good before it was like Jerry the King Lawler like ruined it with the drunk in his face or whatever that oh, crap God, was. Oh, God, yeah. That was like a, like a feel-good thing in a, you know, kind of stinky time or whatever. But <laughs> yeah, like, it was. like it was all building and you thought, oh man, Jake's going to come back and this is going to be so happy. Mm-hmm. And then Austin almost like, like poetically, like shatters his fucking dreams. The stitches, right? Remember right. that? Well, he comes back yep. from his match with Marrow with stitches and yep. just comes back and beats the fuck out of Jake the Snake. As he should have. It's over. That's it. And the stunner applied again. One, two, and he got him. Obviously, the right guy won. Now, now, revisionist history says that 
you know, that night, Quinn, he exploded in a popularity and the big push was underway. You know, we always joke about how it, you know, it's not exactly how they said it. However, this was a big win for Stone Cold. Oh, it, was like, huge. it was like a big deal because it, se- it was seemingly, you know, with the whole, how the, the whole era was playing out, that mm-hmm. they were bringing back these old guys and they were starting to come back. It felt like the push was happening with the warrior coming in. And yeah. Jake the Snake, that these old names would come back and kind of reassert their dominance. And Austin just fucking, like, destroys him. Ironically. Yeah. He wasn't even supposed to win, as we've talked about. It was supposed yeah. to be Triple H until the MSG incident. If you've never heard of the MSG incident, is where the uh, the clickle had a big group hub and, uh, hug and some, uh, some kid went like this. Oh, my God! <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> but that was Austin's tournament after Triple H got the... Uh, Got the punishment there, and I'll tell you what, Quinn, in terms of memorability, the right guy winning, and setting an important time in context there, because you think about mid-96, we're right at the cusp of things starting to change as 96 wore on. Uh, it would take till about October, I October, think. right. Yeah. So Austin, having won that early on, was at least, okay, this guy has this under his belt. Yeah. The promo had happened and it took a few months, but he did heat up and things did start to change. I think this asserted that Austin was going to be a player in the upper mid card at the very least. Whether they, point. Yeah, whether they liked it or not. Yeah, you know, but, because now it's like he won the king of the ring and the WWF acted like that was prestigious back then. And at that point, you know, it was only the fourth pay-per-view tournament. At that point, it was still something pretty, you know, pretty yeah. notable to do. I'm going to give you one. And uh, this would be the first pay-per-view on Quinn. 1993. I'll make my case for it real quick. Sure. 93, folks, that was the one, June 13, 93, from the Nutter Center in Dayton, Ohio. And the tournament is not a great tournament on paper. It's mm-hmm. actually the execution, or perhaps the excellence of execution, you know, of the tournament. I know I know it's one of your favorites because your favorite you know, wins. Wins, but not only that, he puts on three very good matches. So I'll give you the tournament uh, brackets real quick. We got Bret Hart, Ramon, Santana. Now, wait, before we continue, can you explain why Bret Hart has a bye? Because uh, he was the previous world champion, got screwed at WrestleMania 9. Gotcha. Uh, so we got Bret Hart versus bye. <laughs> yeah. Razor and Tito. Uh, Tito was nobody in 93. Arriba! Razor was somebody. He was better. Perfect and Doink had some great qualifiers on TV, uh, one of which is on the Monday Night Raw Prime Cuts tape. Excellent match. Yeah, I think I remember this one. I think that was a good one. Yeah, It's Matt Bourne Doink. This is about Doink. Uh, Kamala and Mr. Hughes sounds like my nightmare. This is my nightmare! <laughs> oh, yeah, God. That, that ends in some weird way. It just says C-O- Count out of the ring, yeah. Why is C-O-R on, just, you, on Wikipedia? Just what, it's what it's Supreme as. Yeah. Duggan and uh, Papa Shango, Bigelow and Typhoon. Mm-hmm. Backland and Luger, Tatanka and Gonzalez. Well, thank Ugh. God, Giant Gonzalez didn't advance. I don't even like Tatanka, but fuck, we yeah. need that. But I'll tell you what, Bret Hart at the pay-per-view, he brought it. He had a great opener against Razor Ramon, a near classic against Kurt Hennig in the semifinals, and a very good match against Bam Bam Bigelow in the finals. I have to say, I like this placement on paper. I like the idea of Bam Bam Bigelow versus Jim Duggan also. Bigelow that's, kills Duggan. Yeah, but that's a cool passing of the torch because they're a similar sort of roughhousing big guy. Yeah, big guy character. That's Duggan's last real notable WWF appearance. That, that's a win. cool idea yep. for a match, I'm just saying. Yep, Bigelow kills him. Luger and Tatanka have a boring-ass draw. I do remember that. It's By the very way, boring. Lex Luger versus Tatanka, Joe. Ah! <laughs> 81 episodes in and we cannot escape Luger versus Tatanka. What the hell? <laughs> but overall, man, this is the Bret Hart show. Uh, it leads to a great match that uh, 
Quinn voluntarily watched with me the whole pay-per-view SummerSlam 93 a few weeks ago. Remember that? When we yeah. you're like, hey, let's watch SummerSlam 93. Unfortunately. And we got to see the Brett Lawler angle, though. Yeah, I mean, I don't even want to talk about that pay-per-view, but I, the ending is just ruins anything that's good on it. It is. But in terms of wrestling quality, this one's got 96 beat. In terms of importance, obviously 96 is probably more important. More right. impactful, but I thought it was great. They had Bret Hart set the pace for like what a King of the Ring tournament could be. Right, they had him pull out three different good matches against three definitely different wrestlers. Mm-hmm. I think it's one of the best wrestle tournaments because of the three Bret matches. Well, I think it's definitely a showcase for Bret Hart. It's it's a pretty decently wrestle tournament. It really yeah. is. Yeah, it's not bad. Um, I think ninety four is also good too. I do too. Despite all the, you know, the <laughs> Art Donovan, obviously. And well, he's just distracting. The but there's some good shit here, like um, run it the, down, Quinn. The Quang, Razor Ramon, and the qualifiers. Yeah, yeah. Bigelow, a Sparky Plug, Ugh. IRS, Scott Steiner, Mabel, Pierre, uh, Pierre. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's weird. Doink the Clown, Owen Hart, Fat Doink, Doink versus Owen in the opening. What the fuck is Doink faced by that point? Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. Ray Apollo, uh, Crush versus Tatanka. Ugh. The one, two, three kid versus Adam Bomb and Pretty Jeff cool. Jarrett versus Lex Luger. And then in the actual tournament proper, Quinn, you know, it opens with Razor versus Big Lil. I'll always yeah. remember that. Not a bad match. Not a bad match. IRS Mabel, though. Come on. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but Owen Tatanka's fine. I don't have that's to... that's okay. Kid versus Jarrett. Very good. Inoffensive. Pretty good match. Razor IRS is whatever. Yeah, and then Owen Hart versus the one, two, three kid is Excellent. like fucking amazing. And it's like somehow three minutes. I don't even understand how they like pulled a like four star <laughs> yeah. match in three minutes but they did it it's one of the best three minute matches you could possibly find it's bizarre how good it is yes. like it, it, those two guys were on the top of their game if they could somehow pull a match that good with that much time i know i totally agree <laughs> I, don't even, I don't get it <laughs> and uh obviously razor and owen in the finals not bad match obviously it's more for storyline yeah with Nightheart interfering and turning you mm-hmm. know heel but overall yeah great tournament right And again, establishes Owen. I think the first King of the Ring established that it was like it was that was something to make you seem like a big deal. Love you, Owen. Yeah, I agree with you. And Owen Hart doing it again. It's set up for SummerSlam. It's set up for the SummerSlam. Yeah, Uh, it's set up a great Brett Owen cage match. And I would say it is. It's not as well wrestled as '93, but it almost is. It's it's up there in terms of wrestling quality. It was the reason for Owen Hart to become the lead heel for the rest of 94. Right. Before passing the lead heel torch to Backlund briefly and then right. to Shawn Michaels. Uh-huh. But it was good. I, th- I thought it was a fun tournament. I like watching it. I know everyone makes fun of Art Donovan being on commentary, rightfully well, so. I mean, what are you going to do? Gorilla, is he dead? Oh, definitely not. But it's a fine tournament. Yeah. It's not that bad. It actually might be... We might have three right here. I mean, I know there's more, but... I got another one to nominate yeah, go ahead. that I always liked. I, I know it's not great me, or anything. Let me guess. 98. No, 97. Oh, 97? I just oh. remember enjoying it as I watched it. Sucks, Quinn. Come on. You didn't think the whole the Mankind versus Triple H at the very end was just mm, phenomenal? Not really. It, it, to me, it continued the Triple H Mankind feud. Uh, yeah, but did anyone want that to continue at that point? In 97, it was still fresh. It was salvaged by the Cactus Jack appearance at MSG, though. Right, but I mean, I remember that was like a 20-minute 
match at the end. And I remember it being long and I remember it seeming grueling that Triple H won. Like they made him look good. Was it actually a good match? I don't remember. I remember it being decent. Maybe I'm just revisionist historying it. But you might I be misremembering it. Because I watched this pay I remember watching this pay-per-view and actually like genuinely enjoying the tournament at the time. Like I thought it was pretty good. I don't remember liking this one with yeah. Ahmed and and Triple H and Crush and Goldust and I'm Waller. not saying like the, it, it, it's it's amazing, but like I think Mankind and Triple H really put a good effort in on this tournament, and it was built around them, really. Yeah, I would think that uh, it, it's the weakest of the ones that we've mentioned so far. Oh, yeah, it's definitely the weakest of the ones we mentioned, but there's not much more. No, so, I know. Like, it, I'm just saying, like, I That's thought that true. that one was pretty decent. 98, is this the one with The Rock and Shane? Yeah, yeah right, this Rock one's and not Shane. very good. It's okay. I mean... I will say this about 98. Yeah, go ahead. It does perfectly encapsulate what that era was about. Like, it's a good king in the ring to highlight, like, this is the Attitude Era. Yeah, there the, there is that. Now, I will say this. Mm-hmm. The problem with all that is the Deadly Game happens later on in the year, and it's yeah. a thousand times better than this. Yeah, I know. The Deadly Game... It's a much better tournament for it's 1998. It's a shame that the Deadly Game wasn't also the king of the ring tournament just for the WWF title. Because I know! <laughs> Fuck, it's, <laughs> it might be the best tournament in WWF history. All right, let's not get carried away here. I would say that. If we were ranking, like, all tournaments... In terms of booking, maybe, because it was very well booked. But you think so? I don't know if it was the best It, it had ever. twists, it had turns, yeah. it was surprising. So does West Greystone Road. I didn't see the ending coming. Yeah, a lot of people didn't. Yeah. A lot of people didn't. Yeah. You're right. It was the height, it was the, Vince Russo's last real hurrah. Mm-hmm. as a good writer and then he had all of 99 to suck d- but yeah i mean really but okay about the 98 tournament it's i don't know quinn it's okay yeah but i'm just saying something would have to take like a number four because we've named three good ones so uh, i'm gonna tell you what uh, 2008s wasn't too bad i'll, I'll run it down for you yeah the one that regal won i'll tell you what it is i remember this i we just watched it don't remember caring that much it was on the april 21st 2008 monday yeah. night raw and it was chris jericho and mvp cm punk and matt hardy the great Kali and Finley, that was stupid. Yeah. And of course, Hornswoggle versus William Regal. Well, 18 seconds. Yeah. Here's why I like it. Because it gave us King of the Ring of William Regal. and That, that if, was really weird. If you recall, that was during like the he wore a dress era. <laughs> you you mean, know what I mean. You mean the like English smoking jacket or whatever yeah, that was. Yeah, but why does it look like a dress? What is wrong with your no. homeland? I'm not paying for your wine cellar, you thieving would-be-speaking German if it weren't for us cheap little man. That's just a weird thing. But you know what's, Yeah, you got that right. You know what's another weird thing about this tournament? The brands are like labeled on each. Yes, like they I have know. entrance or something. They fought each other. Who cares? Quinn, I got to nominate one here. I'm going to... I don't think anything's knocking 93 off. It's the best wrestled one. It's a really easy I tournament to watch. I think 93 and 96 are like locks. Like without question. Locks, stock, and deli? Yeah. Put them both on? Yeah, sure. All right, so we're going to put it two on, folks. We have a new sound effect for season nine here. So you're going to hear it twice because it's so nice. That's right. So for number one, can I put 93 on first, Quinn? Sure. All right. For number one, 1993. And for number two, 1996. Here's one we didn't talk about, and I think it's not mentioned a lot, but it brought us something amazing. What is that? The 2006 King of the Ring were yeah. King Booker! King Booker! This was good. 
it was a really goofy thing. It shouldn't have been good. It shouldn't have been good, but I remember like they they part of the reason they involved Finley was because he's from like a country with a king. Ireland? Like in, yeah, Ireland. Remember because he became a stooge for Booker T later on. There was a king of Ireland? Well, you know, the United Kingdom. Ireland's not in the UK. Yeah, but Northern Ireland is. So it's Finley from yeah. the Northern Ireland? They Let's didn't find say, out right but I'm they, finding out. The point is, is that I remember they acted like because he was from there that like he was would be the proper stooge for Booker T. Well, I'll be a monkey's uncle. Quinn is right. Yeah. Finley is from Northern Ireland. Yeah, United you, Kingdom. You stink. Now, that, on paper, this is actually a really good roster on paper. I don't remember the matches, but I'm going to read you the, the roster. Angle and Orton. Yep. Angle and Orton. Think yeah, about that. that's great. Matt Hardy and Booker T. Fantastic. Chris B. Well, we don't know who that is. And Finley, like it's 1998 again in the TV tournament. Yeah, thank God Finley won. <laughs> <laughs> and Bobby Lindsley and Mark Henry. That's a shame that Bobby Lindsay beat him. I know, isn't it? By count but, out, though. You know what's good? By is core. <laughs> that Bobby Lindsay didn't end up winning the tournament. Booker T. Into the cover. Wait, we we failed to mention on the on the other one with Regal that uh, yeah. Queen Layla or whatever that was. She stunk. Uh, yeah, I was, don't get the big deal with Layla after all these years. Granny Lay Layla, cool and all that. Yeah, like, well, Lay Cool was fun. She stunk. They both stunk. That they liter- all suck. That literally was the only good thing. Don't no, don't wasn't. be smirched. Lay Cool. Like, B and C smirched. Maybe even D smirched. <laughs> no, Lay Cool was fine. No, the whole, it wasn't. The whole split in half women's no, belt and everything. Don't that try was to, great. Don't start rumors, Quinn. That's real. What are you talking about? I'm it, saying don't. Start rumors that it was good. Don't propagate that. Type I of... watched it. I enjoyed it. They were funny. You also think Starcade '97 is okay? Don't bring that up. <laughs> That's not. That doesn't defend. Just stop. <laughs> Just but stop. I... I'm being told. <laughs> but... Anyway, 906 with Charm Charmel, best queen since Sherry Martel. Oh, d- without question, she was second fantastic. best queen ever. The thing that I liked about Charmel is that she actually like did the queen thing. Like, it wasn't just, like, a passing thing. She was right. that character. The whole time. Vanquished by King Booker. Indeed. I don't think we have too many more to really talk about. Now, folks, obviously, let us know your four best and four worst King of the Ring tournaments. Right. We are not going by ones that weren't televised, so don't worry about anything pre-93. It doesn't count. Yeah. Is 94 going to make it? I think 94 is going to make it, don't you? I think 94 is going to make it. What's he going to do? Throw him out of the ring? I can't see anything knocking 94 off. Again, not think, an all-time great. I think great, 94 but... is going to make it, but there's actually just one I want to bring up mm-hmm. because it's like literally the biggest one ever yeah, in 2000. 2000. The whole, that it leads up to Kurt Angle. This is a great era for the company. Oh, it's one of my um, favorite eras for the I, company. I don't yes. remember. I just remember there being a lot of matches, but actually that being kind of the novelty of it, like yeah. how big it was. The first two rounds were on TV, and they did the quarter semis and, and the obviously the final on, on the King Larry tournament. Let me just list off really quick the, the participants here and just like think about like the era and how this sums it all up. Kurt Angle. Yep. Bradshaw. Ugh. Bubba Ray. Yes. When the Dudleys were good. Mm-hmm. Big Boss Man. Take a dump. Chris Jericho. Again. Test. Who That's cares? the first week one so far, by the way. Edge. Yeah. Grandmaster Sexay. Eh. Crash Holly. Love him. Albert. Eh. Hardcore Holly. Ew. Farouk. Eh. Bulby Cannon. Awesome. Ugh. I hate him. Great. Steve Blackman. I love He's him. He's fine. Perry Saturn. He's good. Devon. Eh. Rikishi. 
Yeah. When, during good. like his good period. Really good. Shane McMahon. Yeah. That that was a DQ, so don't worry about that. Scotty Too Hotty. Worm. That was like the good Scotty Too Hotty, yep. too. Yeah. D Lo. In 2000, he wasn't good. Yeah. Chris B. Who? Road Dog. <laughs> Road Dog. Road Dog. <laughs> X Pac. Dean Malenko. Val Who? Venus. Oh. Al Snow. Wait, Val Venus was short hair by then? Uh, not at this not point, yet, 2000, right? yeah. He was still good. Al Snow was still good. Yeah, Jeff Hardy. When he was awesome. Christian. When he was awesome. Eddie Guerrero. When he was awesome. Matt Hardy. When he was awesome. China Ew. and The Godfather. Oh, train. That is a insane amount of people. And that that's the year 2000 mid-card, you know, yeah. mid and upper mid-card. Yeah. Hey, more power to him. June of 2000 is in the middle of of an awesome year for the company. Right. The writing was very strong, very crisp, and it all made sense. Now, was this bigger because SmackDown existed and they needed to, like, fill more Probably. time? And so, like, they're like, oh, let's just have, like, a second bracket, practically. I think they, I mean, I don't know the real reason, but if I had to guess, I would say it was because they now had SmackDown. Right. The first year where they so did, they had to right? to fill another two hours and... Yeah. And it gives another, you know, four guys or eight guys or whatever a piece of the pie. You know, get them, right. get them something. And a lot of them are out before it even mm-hmm. maybe even make it to the pay-per-view because uh-huh. they did the quarterfinals and on on the pay-per-view. Right. Correct. So I thought it was a good idea. Uh, I don't think the King of the Ring, though, Quinn, in 2000 mattered anymore. I thought it, I actually thought it was a big deal for Kurt. Really? Yeah, because I think Kurt had been like, you know, he'd, he'd acquired some mid-card titles and stuff. But this was like right before his push to like the main event, if you recall. It was, right. yeah, because he main evented SummerSlam 2000 with uh, right. This Triple is like Horse the last. This is this is the last King of the Ring that actually did matter. Yeah, that you I mean, will agree to. You know what I mean? It, definitely nothing mattered because after that. even in the ones where they were trying to put people over, like yeah. Billy Gunn and shit. Like Edge. the point, the reason was because it mattered. Right, I understand. So to me, this is like the last hurrah of the King of the Ring. Okay, that's fair enough. Yeah. But we said nothing will probably knock 94 off, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. So let's put 94 on, and then I think we'll have to fight it out between 06 and maybe a couple of others. Yeah, I think 2000, I think yeah. uh, 98, did we say, or what? Yeah, we can. You, yeah. you really like 97, but there's no way 97. I kind of like it. 97, but whatever. I, I don't think that's going to make it. But for number three, why don't we welcome King of the Ring 1994? Yes, we're serious. <laughs> Did you ever think you'd hear King of the Ring 1994 <laughs> like hey, on a Rushmore? It's not that bad a tournament overall. It how makes much does sense. that guy weigh? Yeah, how does that fellow weigh? Yeah. You're gonna throw him out of the ring? What's he going to do? Throw him out of the ring? I really like 06 because of who won it and because he had that gimmick for a you long time. You love that William Regal. Or no, that's the Booker T one. Yeah, I, yeah, I like the Regal one too, but I like the Booker more because yeah. he was he became, you know, British Booker T and they lived that whole thing. It was so funny. So it's kind of one of those situations where the, the outcome kind of like ninety how ninety six yes. like dictates why it's good. Yeah. I mean the tournament wasn't anything but the winner It was a TV tournament. It was a it, it was wasn't even a pay per view yeah. to SmackDown. But the winner, you know, and what he did with winning was yeah. awesome. King Booker you know, he took that all over the place. He took it to the world title. Uh-huh. He took it to that hilarious boogeyman feud. Yep, I like remember that. that. Was act- that's the only... Booker T is the only person I've ever seen bring the boogeyman to anything <laughs> of worth. And you know what? 
What? That was so good what he did with Boogeyman that when Boogeyman shows up to this day, I kind of like have like a happy feeling because I think of the Charmel and Booker T dance <laughs> and then they get scared or whatever. Yeah, I remember that. That was fun. The two Booker T and Queen Charmel, it was so great, wasn't yeah, it? Like, it overall? was so good. It was the first character in a long ass time that took the king thing and mm-hmm. made it matter. Um, I think you know we're i know we're we're eating up a lot of king of the rings here but mm-hmm. like i think there's one more that our fans would get mad if we didn't mention yeah the brock lesnar one yeah but i don't like it you don't like it no nah, i don't like it I, I mean they were definitely overtly doing something there they wanted brock lesnar to be the big shit like i know who was who was in that one can you run that down uh brock lesnar bubba ray booker t william regal hardcore holly tajiri the hurricane test Jericho, Edge, Christian, Val Venus, X Pac, Goldust, Eddie Guerrero, and Rob Van Dam. All right, so the roster is pretty solid, actually. Uh, it's a rock solid roster. But I mean, does anyone really remember that tournament? Everyone knew Brock was winning. I knew at the time Brock was. Everyone going knew in. Brock was winning, but I mean, I guess you know, it, 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 I guess it sort of was a big deal. I guess so. I, I, I have not seen that show oh God, since, yeah. since like it aired. Right. Right. I don't, I, Quinn, I think we're, I think 06 is. Okay. Yeah. I think 06 too. Because I just, of the Booker T. You yeah, know what I mean? Booker T, you can't argue with Booker T. He and actually. King Booker. Yeah. Like Angle acted like he was king for like two days. Brock never acted like he was king. At least Booker did something with it. That's why sure. I'm, that's why I'm nominating it more than anything. Cause it's the only guy that gave a shit about it. And William Regal sort of, but that was like after the fact. Right. It wasn't as good. So are we okay with, uh, yeah. With 06? Okay, 06. I was surprised that that took it, but okay. Me too, actually. But yeah. now, now that I think about it, you know. All right, so for number four, 2006. Well, that is our Mount Rushmore to recap for Donnie. We have 1993, 1996, 1994, and 2006. That's our Mount Rushmore. Let us know yours. Quinn, you got to pick one of the best. I'm going to go for one of the worst, and I'm not going with the giant uh, rapper in the room, believe it or not. No? No, I'm going to go with 1999 and King Ass. Ass! <sighs> you hate King Ass. First of all, Billy Gunn 1999 singles push. <laughs> that is one of Vince Russo's worst things that he did. For it's one of your most hated like Achilles yeah. heel in all wrestling. Ever since I've known Joe, he's yeah. been like anti-Billy Gunn forever, which I... I he can sucks. I can take him or leave him. Like he's he, terrible. I just think this it's overblown. Like how bad he is. I mean, he's bad, but he's not. He's not like Brad Reingens or anything. Like he's not. Oh, he's not even close to being as good as Brad Reingens. Oh, shut up! He's not as bad as like David Arquette or something stupid like that. He's not as close. No, I'm just kidding. But yeah. here's the problem I have. It's not just the winner, Quinn. Yeah. All right. For the record, it's 1999. Uh huh. Which is the mid middle of 99, by the way. Which means Vince Russo is in full incoherency mode, right? Oh, yeah. I, I probably don't remember any of the reasons right. any of this shit is happening. But Billy Gunn, I do remember winning. I remember right. that right. clear as day. Right. So that's one. Uh, not only that, it's Vince Russo era, right? So the wrestling doesn't matter. We don't really focus on the wrestling. So there's no good matches. Most of them are really short. DX is fighting each other like the whole tournament because yeah. Vince Russo. And it sucked overall. It didn't matter. No one liked Billy Gunn, the heel singles wrestler. 
Can I can I give some credit as far as the booking surprisingly is concerned here? <sighs> yeah. On paper, Billy Gunn gets some big wins. He beats Ken Shamrock. Yeah. Kane. Yeah. Kane in nineteen ninety nine. That's not good. And X Pac, who's actually like this is during X Pac's good period. Like people liked him. Yeah, this is my problem with it, Quinn, is that he beat all these people. No one wanted him to win the King of the Ring. He didn't do anything with it. The highest he got is at the SummerSlam. He fought The Rock, and The Rock right. just kicked his ass. I'm just saying, from a booking perspective, if the dic- the dictation yeah, the down dick. the, from, from the mountain from Vince McMahon is that Billy Gunn is going to be a star, <laughs> this Ugh. is literally like what you do. Like, this is by the book. Like, what exactly what you do to put someone over. It sucked. Yeah, I'm okay, just saying. I'm just telling you. No, and I, I agree it sucked. I just want to, like, put it out there that booking... From a booking perspective, they did nothing wrong here. <sighs> Billy Gunn won the King of the Ring. That's what they did wrong. <laughs> All right. What do you want to throw at me? I, I, I know what you're going to say, but go ahead. 1995. It has to, Joe. Read the roster. <sighs> this King of the Ring, Joe. Mabel I just want to say. Yeah. I want to say that this was the first one I was like a privy to, like live or whatever. Right. I didn't get to see it live, but I remember like the build up and yeah, everything, yeah, yeah. and I got to. We were fans. It's by then. funny. My first reading i got to read in the magazine about it that's it was like this big mystery oh i'm sorry to hear that like yeah (laughs) and i was so excited about it too okay here's the roster adam bomb mabel jeff jarrett the undertaker yeah i know the roster's decent actually comma duke drozy (laughs) king kong bundy sean michaels yeah your favorite in 1995 right the newly turned face version Mm -hmm. right yes he was bob holly oh Mantar. Oh, God. The roadie. Okay. Doink. Uh, Doink Le- in 95? Lex Luger. Yokozuna. Yokozuna. Yes. Razor Ramon <laughs> and Jacob Blue. <laughs> Wait, why just one of the Blue brothers? Is I don't know. This? Well, okay. So if you recall, I believe Razor got hurt or some shit. And this is yes. when Savio replaced him. Yes. And that was like a <sighs> big debut at the time. Yeah. And he was good for the first couple months. Everyone liked him. He was I don't, fiery, Quinn. Yeah, I don't remember anyone having a problem with Savio Quang Vega at all. <laughs> Is that his middle name? Was yeah, Quang? Yeah. Okay. That was the, the hint. <laughs> yeah. Well, I got to tell you this. The roster is 1995. From 95, it's got some players, though. Michael's an undertaker, notably. I mean, yes. Doink was a nobody, so his name there is like even worse than it was in 94. And not only that, you would think that if say Michaels or Undertaker weren't going to win, right? Yeah. That they would be eliminated in the qualifiers in the first round, right? On TV. Yeah, but then why would anyone watch them on the pay-per-view? Like, what would they have done on pay-per-view? Well, that somebody would have interfered in their match and caused them to have that match instead, right? Okay. But, here's the thing. Sean and Taker both make it past the first round into the pay-per-view, and they're in the same (sighs) bracket, so the opportunity is actually there yeah, for to see Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker. They are dangling this carrot in front of us. And what happens? They shove that Mabel, carrot up your ass. Mabel defeats The Undertaker. By pinfall. By pinfall. Not only that, Shawn Michaels can't get like, past he Kama. He can't. He doesn't lose, Kama. but he can't finish him. Kama! 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 Not semicolon. Not period. Not exclamation now, mark. if you're like, who the fuck is Kama right now? It's Papa Shango slash the Godfather. Yes, Kama Mustafa, yeah. whatever you want to call yeah. him. I'm the toughest man to ever put on a pair of gloves. Why? He wasn't even pushed, like, after that, This Kama. is literally Sean's, like, 
big fucking thing. Like this year is like his build. Yeah, but Quinn, people defend Mabel winning it by saying that Diesel had to fight somebody. He didn't have to fight Mabel. Do you want to put it in? Let me, let me, before we put it in, who would you suggest should have fucking won? Me? Yes. Shawn uh, Michaels. And he should have fought um, Diesel he, again? He should have just won the Intercontinental title from Jeff Jarrett. And then, like, still done is the same thing he did, except Here's he the just, thing. you add the King of the Ring to his thing. I think the Undertaker should have won, no. and then he would have fought Big Daddy Cool, because that would actually be fucking interesting. Here's why that's a bad idea. They were having a hard enough time keeping Diesel over as a face in 95. Think the Undertaker would have, like, yeah. it, there would have been... Yeah. I think if Sean wins, Quinn... He could, maybe he beats Mabel barely or something. I don't know. Whatever, right? But he would have to in some yeah, round because Mabel made it. Yeah, but let's say Sean wins. He can still win the IC from Jarrett the next month, like he did, and still beat Razor Ramon at SummerSlam. It's just that this just makes his push a little bit bigger instead yeah. of drawing with Kama. The problem about with this King of the Ring ultimately is, is all that, of it. No, well, it to me the the two big issues are Taker and Sean losing like chumps and. The fact that the the Mabel thing was just a failed thing, yeah, and nobody saw it coming, but not in like the good way, where like there was like there was Mabel fans right. that were like, "Fuck yeah, Mabel!" Like right, I right. really wanted them to do it. It was like people were like, "Wait, huh, Mabel?" <laughs> like I think people saw that final and thought Savio Vega. This was like, "Oh man, they're gonna make Savio Vega like a right out the star. gate out of a big star." No one wanted that though. Yeah, if you like, well, Philly Arena didn't want it anyway. That's well, the I other think they problem. Taken Savio Vega over Mabel. Would you have? I would have definitely a hundred percent. Yeah, you would have bought it. And I guess we were we were nine, ten he, years old. At he the time. came yeah. in like a house of fire in that yeah. tournament, like <laughs> Latino and Fuego. Yeah. Yes, you're right though. Who who doesn't want to wear the ribbon? Is ninety nine then worse than ninety five? Even though you love the writing or something in ninety nine, I just think the booking's correct. I think this one is an abortion. It's terrible. I want to put this in because you could still push Mabel. Yeah. And not kill the entire, like, King of the Ring franchise in the process. Yeah, because it was pretty good up to this point. <laughs> right. so, I mean, thank God Austin had a, right. had, had a good King of the Ring. Because Triple H winning it instead wouldn't have been that good. Who would have cared? No, then no it one really, cared. It would have actually probably been a dead yeah. pay-per-view. So they're lucky they had Austin with the lip and everything yeah. in 96. Yeah. So for number one, 1995. Yeah. Die, die, die. See, die, die, die is still here, folks, it's, because that yeah. that one year that I tried to change it, right. and everyone got all upset. So It's just very interesting that for a new franchise that was the King of the Ring, yeah. sort of, at that point, like mm-hmm. that they really, like, they got a little too, like, risky. Experimental. Yeah, basically, yeah, like, they took a huge risk with Mabel, and it failed. Like, it was their magical mystery tour, is what you're saying? thought that they they had a lot of confidence that the king of the ring could elevate someone and they, yeah and and they were like yeah like we want it mabel's like huge he's like he should be imposing and shit yes like this should cement him but no is 99 also gonna make it quinn yeah it might i think it will but you know what's one I, we need to talk about real quick yeah go ahead what about that the most recent one where like bad news barrett won and like it was it like killed his career yep. like literally that one was real upsetting because yeah. Everyone was catching on to and getting into the Bad News Barrett gimmick, right? Right. Bad News Barrett. We love Bad News Barrett. Well, it should be a momentous occasion. His podium kept on getting more stupid and high up. Right. And they announced this this small King of the Ring, and it was only on the WWE Network. I remember the this. The finals run Raw to hype it, right? They, 
The entrants were Ziggler, Ugh. Bad News Barrett, R-Truth, Ugh. Stardust, he was okay. Dean Ambrose, Sheamus, Ugh. who was the previous winner, if yeah, you remember that garbage. Yes. And Neville. Holy shit, Neville was there already, yeah. And Luke Harper. I like him. So, like, you had this tournament, and, you know, seemingly, like, I, if I recall, I think Bad News was the favorite. This one sucked because it robbed us from ever having Bad News Barrett ever again. Right, so the what, <laughs> we're, what we're saying by this is, so what happened was... Bad news wins, right? By virtue of winning, he abandons <sighs> the bad news character and becomes King Barrett. Boring like, forever. Boring. Nobody cared anymore. Yep. Like this guy had the look. Yep. He had. The, he finally had the fucking gimmick. Yep. And he was great. I'm afraid I've got some bad news. And he, then he went to rot in the League of Nations, and then he left. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying Wade Barrett from, like, 2010 was good or anything. But yeah. This guy, like, I mean, this guy was pushing the moon from the beginning, yeah. if you remember. And he was the leader of the core and all that bullshit. Yeah, and it wasn't that good. But they fell ass backwards into this gimmick because he was hurt, right? Yeah. So they had him talking. Almost he, like Austin. Almost like Austin. And he turned out to be an entertaining talker. Yeah. With a stupid gimmick with the, the gavel. gavel. Yeah. And everyone loved it. So, of course, let's have him wrestle Win the King of the Ring. Which you would think at first is an elevation. Right, right, right. right. But then you realize, no, they're just erasing his gimmick through yep. this. And that's, they, that was the purpose of this. Not that, not to elevate him. And I think 2015 is one of those years. They've been better in the last, like, two or three. But 15 was one of those years where it felt like... It was the height of them trolling their audience. Yeah, it like, felt like nothing they did was to satisfy even the mainstream audience. It was like, it was another example of literally somebody getting over organically and they said, we can't have that. We don't have room for this right now or time for this. Right. You know what I mean? That type of thing. And it's rare that we bring up something recent, but this is, you know, it's three years ago. It's retro. This was heinous. It really did piss us off at the time because we liked bad news. The mainstream fans in the arenas liked bad news. Everyone, Barrett. There, I didn't this know a, a person, smart thing. Yeah, I didn't know a person who hated bad news. Barrett. Our casual friends. I'm not talking about Donnie. Even like more casual than Donnie loved when he came on screen. They thought he was the greatest thing. They thought he's so funny. Like how Elias is now. It yeah, was like yeah. that kind of character. Right. I think even my wife thought he was funny. Yeah. She doesn't even like wrestling. Right. All right. That's number two. Yeah, because okay. It, because if any, I've never seen something literally like nosedive somebody's career like that. That was pretty bad. A big win turned out to be like the downfall of his career there. He literally like quit wrestling like <laughs> after it. Like, Sad. Like because he was just like, this is going nowhere. Okay. Like, and he had talent. He really did. He had yeah. a good look too and everything. Yeah. Well, when he had the beard. Right. Before the beard, he looked really stupid. Yeah, but he was supposed to be a kid. That I was know. the point. Like, <laughs> All right. So for, for number two. Yeah. 2015. Die, die, die. Yeah, good call. Yeah, because I, I just remember, I couldn't believe that was like, really bad how point. bad that fucked things up for him. Absolutely, but speaking of bad and speaking of ass, 99. I mean, yeah, come okay, on. Okay. Billy Gunn, the I've singles holding, wrestler. I've just been holding it off just because I think it's funny when you're like, you're like, oh no, come on, I hope Billy Gunn gets in. Quinn, the thing is, here, here's the problem. Billy Gunn was not destined to ever be a solo star. Yeah. They poured three or four years into trying to make him something that he simply was not. I will say this about him. He's a terrific tag team wrestler. 
Correct. I think he's very good. At, like, I, and yes. that's not like I'm not saying that to be like condescending. No, or no, I he's agree like with you. Actually, good at S- that. Smoking guns, good team or not? Great team, great team, right? New Age is great team. One of the best of all time. Great tag team wrestler. That's his niche, though. Not being the. He's not Shawn Michaels. Well, I also think he his niche is like intercontinental champion guy. Even I, that he was middling at best, though. But I just think that that's like he seems natural in that role. Is my point. He's okay there. Yeah. But he, what they tried to do was push him like he was going to be the next Shawn Michaels or something, and he just, he didn't have it. It's a shame, too, because I think the guy had a lot of talent. Just, again, like Barrett, mm-hmm. I think he actually had a kick-ass finisher. Like, no jo- no pun intended, no jokes. Like, I think that actually is a cool finisher. The Famouser? Yeah. It's a good finisher. I'll, um, I'll give him that. Yeah, and it looked great on television. It did. I mean, he had a catchphrase and all this shit. I can't fault them for doing this. That's the only thing. I can't fault them for trying, but the tournament wasn't good. His push wasn't good after yeah. this, and it didn't work. It was a fail failure. So I let's put it in. It's one of the more forgettable ones from 1999. Yeah. So for number three, 1999. Die, die, die. Quinn, another bad one, even though the winner is not the worst thing ever, is 2001. Because I was hoping you would bring this up. Yeah. Because... To, in my brain, this is where the King of the Ring died. Yeah. And I don't really know why. It just did. It just did. It just, it was like, it, it was like an organic death. Like, <laughs> it, it just kind of like, it just felt like this was the end of an era for no, I, I really, like, it's a weird fucking thing, actually. Mm-hmm. But it just felt like the end of the road for King of the Ring. Part of it might have to do because the invasion was budding at the time and it just seemed yeah. like such an outdated concept. Right. Coming off the heels of WrestleMania 17. Now, they and, did something unique with it by having Kurt Angle make it to the finals for the second year did. in a row. Yeah, they did do that. They had him, you know, maybe the reasonable doubt, like, oh, maybe Angle's just going to win again. Yeah. He didn't. Edge won, or as the, they called him, King Edge the Awesome. I welcome you to a new era. An era of awesomeness. <laughs> yeah. Do you think that, um, again, they were they were positioning, like, the prestige of, you know, the king of the ring, I guess. Mm-hmm. And saying, like, we really like Edge. Edge is, you know, he's a good company man. He's got talent. He's young. The future's with Edge. And it really was what we would come to see in a couple years. This is before Edge made the, the infamous heel turn where he really took off. Yeah. But was this like a vote of confidence? Absolutely. Win? Like, this was, we want to do something with this guy. Yeah. That was what they had been doing since, I guess, since Mabel, really. Because Brett that's was. What, that's what the King of the Ring was. It was a vote yeah. of confidence. Because Brett was already established, obviously. Maybe oh, maybe even dating back yeah. to Owen Hart. Right. You think Owen and Mabel and Austin and then Triple H and Shamrock, and that didn't pan out. And Gunn didn't pan out. Angle panned out. Right. So they did it again with Edge here and had him go all the way. I think it was a vote of confidence. This didn't lead to a big push straight out of the gate if i'm not mistaken it took edge years a couple uh, of years to, until 04 the fact that he won in 01 and honestly he didn't really get his push till 05 that new yeah. year's revolution thing or whatever his real big push was yeah around 05 he, he he was waiting in the wings for like four years after this to get what he you know he thought he'd earned and which he that, did because he, he was with the company forever i mean right yeah so in hindsight does that make this even more of a meaningless tournament yeah i think that's i think that's what etches it in is because We've seen these King of the Ring tournaments. At least they had like immediate results. Usually for this, they were just kind of like, you know what, Edge, we'll just put you in the back burner even longer. Yeah, you're right. And if I'm not mistaken, Quinn, 
wasn't this right around the time where they finally broke up the Edge and Christian team that no one had ever been clamoring for them to break up? Yeah. that You know what I'm saying? Like, it was... They had been this team since, you know, 99, 98, I guess, right. but that were awesome in the year 2000 when they were heels. Remember that? Yeah. The the TLC version of them. And then they kind of broke up after this and Edge won the King of the Ring and they were never edging Christian again. They were even positioning in this tournament. They were teasing at the very least is that Christian would face Edge in the finals. If yeah. You see, and if you look Chris, at the brackets. Christian wound up losing the angle. But I mean, this is the, the names in this tournament that made it to the pay-per-view part of it. The names are good. Angle, Hardy, yeah. Christian, Big Show. But Big Show wasn't ruined yet in not, 01. Not in 01, no. Edge, Saturn, which, you know, whatever. But no, not, he, he, he was popular with the crowds, though, with Moppy and all that. The, with, the, with the live popular, crowd. That was popular? I thought it was just a fun, stupid thing. That's all. You and two other people. Vince McMahon and Shane McMahon. Tajiri and Rhino. Yeah, Tajiri. Tajiri was so yeah, over in yeah. 01. Like, he was, was really good. over. Like, Tajiri, and Rhino was, too. Yeah. Both were very I, popular characters. I loved ECW Rhino. Yeah. So when he showed up in WWF, I was like, wow, this is cool. And I liked ECW Tajiri because he, yeah. he was like legendary for like, this guy's fucking crazy. And the like, tarantula and all that. Yeah, Remember exactly. That? I think this is going to make it, Quinn. You think because I, I of do. just the, the fact that they just poo-pooed the results, yeah. essentially? The problem with this one is not the roster of wrestlers. They're fine. Yeah, It's that everyone kind of felt, for whatever reason this year, including me, including you, apparently... Let us know, folks, that this didn't matter. A, it didn't matter, this tournament, because there was other things surrounding it that were more important, like the invasion angle. Right. And two, Edge won, and it didn't matter that he won. Yeah, no one was... I don't remember anyone being mad Edge won either. No. Like, people were like, oh, that's that's good. Like, Edge is a great wrestler. He deserves it. Like, and then that's, it didn't that's, matter. Yeah, like, nobody was mad. It was just kind of like, eh. Yeah. You know? So that's why, you know, I'm not a big fan of uh, of 2000 or 2002 either. Yeah. The Brock Lesnar one after it was just a formality. It was exactly. This wasn't even so much a formality as like an anomaly. It was why did this it was weird. Like, why did they, they even do it this year? Yeah, if exactly. They were, if they weren't going to like right. give Edge his due. Why even bother this yeah. year, essentially? You yeah. know, so you want to put it on for number yeah. four? I think right. so, just because it's just lack of. Why does it exist? I'm with you. All right. So you know what? That's not even like bad. Just no. again, like why? Why? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> why? 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 So yeah. <laughs> for number four, 2001. Die, die, die. All right. Well, to recap that up there for Donnie, for the Death Valley, we have 1995, 2015, 1999, and 2001. That is our Mount Rushmore and Death Valley of King of the Ring tournaments. Thank you, AJ Smith, for the suggestion. Folks, uh, please let us know what you think your Rushmore in Death Valley. You can do that by reaching us on Twitter at OVP Podcast. You can email us or join the Ellis Island of Wrestling Facebook groups. But Quinn, when we come back, we are finally concluding this five-part quintology of WWF main event reviews with the least important one, <laughs> even less important than the most recent one. <laughs> and that review is coming up right after this. Hello, 
Hello, wrestling fans. Howdy doody. We're here to remind you that if you really like our show, you can donate over at patreon.com slash OVP podcast. That's right. And we have three rewards tiers. For $1, you get the raw video recordings of our episodes each week. Mistakes and all. I don't make mistakes. Add another dollar and you get the raw video plus weekly commentaries every single Friday. That's where we watch a match and talk over it. It's good. And for $3, you get the raw video, the weekly commentaries, and our monthly live video reviews. Yup, we watch 1982 WWF while you guys watch. So that's patreon.com slash OVP podcast if you want to donate. And now, over to Sean Mooney. Who? Hey, it's Sean Mooney. I may no longer be in the event center, but if I was, I'd be talking about our Vantage Point Retro Wrestling Podcast. All right, boys, let's get to it. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast, here on episode number 81, the first one of season nine. As we promised, Quinn, we are reviewing something that's WWF Main Event 5. We did the first four. Yes. Most recently, we did the accidental main event from November of 90. Yes. With the one that was supposed to be a Saturday mm-hmm. night's main event. This one, folks, is probably the least talked about, I would assume. The long road through the main <laughs> events uh, finally end here at this shithole. Yeah, this shithole. It is a February episode. It's February 1st, 1991. And continuing with the steep decline in quality, starting <laughs> from the first one, this one is almost like the... WWF main event, we had to do this or something. Yeah. So to set the stage for you real quick before we get right into it, this is February 1st, 1991. It was taped on January 28th, 1991. So it's actually not very old and was taped at the Macon Coliseum in Macon, Georgia, about 7,500 fans on hand. Turner territory. Huh? Turner territory. Yeah. Down in Georgia. And uh, Hogan went down to Georgia and yep. <laughs> we uh, were clearly coming off the Royal Rumble 1991 and we're building towards WrestleMania 7, but it's so early that there's not too much to say about WrestleMania 7 yet. Now, do they know that it's not going to be in that big, <laughs> big arena thing or whatever? At the LA Coliseum? Yeah. I have a feeling they knew that from about the second week they announced it and they were just <laughs> holding out hope. I mean, honestly. So, but... are we still in, like, hope mode? Though? Oh, yeah. <laughs> they were in hope mode until right before WrestleMania 7. They were like, no, it's definitely at the Coliseum. How do you just, like, at the last minute, like, cancel that? Like, I don't know. Bomb like, threats, that's how. I know, but I mean, like, that's a weird... We're going to have 100,000 people. Oh, by the way, no, and we're not also going to be here. Yeah. Like, <laughs> just going to shuttle you all into yeah. the sports arena next yeah. door over here. Not even just that. I just mean, like, to the people who, like, own the arena. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, whoops, sorry. We're about 10% short of how many people we thought we'd have. Whoops. It seems like they were, like, 50% short. <laughs> they were very short. Yeah. So where we are here in February 1st, 1901 in the world, or at least in regards to the U.S. and a few other parts of the country, is the... Iraq war had just started. The first Gulf War had just formally started at the end of January. The conflict had been going on since August of 1990. Yes, I always get confused about this just because of WWF mainly. Like, if this was any other war, because I really like history. Yeah, you're good with history. But the WWF screwed my, like, entire, like, understanding of, like, when all this happened because they act like it's going on till, like, SummerSlam. Well, (laughs) (laughs) they do tend to skew reality, don't they? Yeah, no shit. The actual war proper, I guess, if you want to call war uh, having a proper start, was uh, towards the end of January, and we were in the thick of it now, and it didn't last much longer. I think the last day of it off the top of my head was February 28th. Didn't they win in like five Four days weeks, yeah. or something? A few weeks. Like, yeah, I, I remember them like being 
like it being abnormally short. Right. <laughs> but the conflict had been brewing with the U.S.'s involvement uh, since August of 1990. And yes, this is our Vantage Point, the retro wrestling podcast. So we'll get to the wrestling in a second. But I just wanted to set the stage that we are in the actual Gulf Wars going on right now. The CNN war. This is CNN. The CNN war, as it's known, because it was the first war covered by CNN. Yes, it was. You got to see all the tanks shooting the things and, you know, the missiles going, the scuds. Remember the scuds? I remember the scuds. I actually remember sitting with my dad in his chair in this period of time and watching, uh, you know, footage of the war on CNN. I was five years old. And I know that that was one of the big reasons that CNN blew up in the 90s was their coverage of the war. Yeah. So with that said, and we're turning into greetings from Allentown over here. Yeah. <laughs> with that said, let's get to the main event. February 1st, it aired. 1991, again, this is a Friday night in primetime NBC. The last time they actually had that time slot, and with good reason after seeing this show. Well, I don't know why you would ever want another <laughs> one after this. So we actually start with a big patriotic opening of Hogan's USO tour. Seriously with this, like... <laughs> Wasn't Hogan's character, like, he was slightly a little American, (laughs) like, American-made or whatever, but, like, he wasn't, like, Hacksaw Duggan or anything. (laughs) He was supposed to be the American guy. Then Hogan just, like, there's a war now, so we gotta Bogart that (laughs) fucking (laughs) game. Like, seriously, he just took it. Hulk Bogart over here. Yeah. And then we get the regular intro. They're still holding strong to the classic music that they had had since 88, and we're hosted, of course, since it's 1991, by Vince McMahon and... Roddy Piper, and Roddy has, like, an open denim shirt it's thing. It's the thing he wears under his leather coat. Right? Yes, it, it is. It's, it, it seems like it, maybe it's a little warm in the uh, yeah. Georgia Dome yeah, or whatever, the wherever a little the hot they are. Yeah, the Macon Coliseum. Yeah. And uh, the mics, by the way, they don't say the main event. Yes. They just say main event, the mic flags. Yeah, the, the red the is just cut off. Yeah, exactly. So Piper, of course, because he's Roddy Piper and because it's 1991 and because xenophobia is running wild, he makes some comment about the Orient Express and rice and fish. Now we're going to get a chance to see how rice and fish stack up against meat and potatoes. That doesn't make sense. You said I don't me, like yeah. Piper like this, Joe. What like, is your problem with him? Like, th- talk about what you don't like about okay. him, Sarah. There's a my biggest gripe is that all of a sudden he's like a big Hogan crony. He is, and that makes zero sense because he was literally like his <laughs> most hated enemy for years, like, for a couple of years, for a long time, yes. right? And all of a sudden he's like, yeah, Hulk Hogan, <laughs> like, huh? Get up, Hulk star. Yeah, where where did this love for Hulk come from? I don't know, Quinn, and it's one of the unexplained uh, mysteries of wrestling. Maybe it's we like, should do a, a segment on that. Yeah, it's like a phenomenon or something. <laughs> like, I don't know. Well, speaking of phenomenons, Earthquake's music hits as he and Dino Bravo Ugh. enter. Yeah, I know. Uh, Quake has the fancier blue attire. You his, know the one I mean. The regular one that has yeah. the Richter scale thing. Yes, that on one. It. Yeah. <laughs> Not the solid blue from 1990. The, the Canadian version. Yeah. Canadian <laughs> and bacon. As always, Bravo sucks, Quinn. I can see the cigarette money <laughs> falling out of his trunks as he comes out. And he looks like a beaver, too. He's, he's edging into beaver mode, yes. Yeah. Tugboat comes out. Yes, Tugboat comes Ugh. out alone. And you said he especially stinks. Yeah. Who chose this gimmick? <laughs> like, th- it's terrible. They just could have done something, anything that isn't a boat. Or yeah, something. a boat. I don't know. I, a bumper car. I can't even think of like a what it would cart. be, and maybe that's why they chose a tugboat. But but a tugboat. I mean, come on. That's not even anything. A tank engine, maybe they could have taken off on Thomas a tank engine. What about that? A what freight if, what train. About just the tank. That sounds cooler and more threatening. 
Tank Thomas. Yeah. That's better than Tugboat Thomas. That yeah. was his original name, by the way. That's terrible. Yeah, it is. Uh, speaking of terrible, Earl Hebner is the ref. Hogan, of course, comes out with his usual entrance here. He's still in the normal Hogan mode, though, Quinn. Yeah, he's still a steroid face. <laughs> yes, like, exactly. Before the Zahorian bust. Yeah. So everyone's in the clear on the steroids still right, in early everyone's 91. beefing up. Yeah, it's true. This match here, Hogan and Tugboat versus uh, Earthwig and Bravo, it's not going to matter. We know that in hindsight. Yeah, well, I mean, WrestleMania it, it 7. involves Dino Bravo, too. <laughs> so, I mean, true. everyone in the building knows it doesn't matter. That's a good point. Hogan and Bravo start. A lockup goes nowhere. Hogan pushes off a second one. Then he punches Jimmy Hart. Quinn. His longtime manager, yes. as they, some WCW things said yeah. recently. I think Oakland said that in like 94 when literally he had been Jimmy Hart had been his manager for like a year. Yeah, they were <laughs> they, they've always just always been friends. In total, honestly, in from WWF to WCW when Hart turned on him, he managed him for like two and a half years. Yeah, it, it's nothing. It wasn't I, even long. I hate I hate that they act like that in like retrospect. Yeah. <laughs> to this day, don't they like associate with each other? Because remember, they were in no more prima donnas together. And- <sighs> no more prima donnas. Tug job tags in and gets a devastating. Arm ringer, and then Quinn, you were making a case that Typhoon should ap- actually have been a Japanese guy. Yeah, because that's like a weather condition that happens more in, in that the hemisphere. Pacific, yes, uh, <laughs> not really over here. No, we don't get typhoons here. Right, he should be more of like a hurricane or yeah. something. I think the problem with calling a guy like Fred Ottman a hurricane, <laughs> besides the fact that he might trip, is that uh, hurricane usually is associated with fast, you know, quick yeah, moving I, and all that. And, well, I feel like the tornado is, but they definitely couldn't use that no. because of Mr. Foot over there. <laughs> See, Carrie should be the one tripping. They should have had a Survivor Series team with the tornado, the, the natural disasters, the natural disasters, and Carrie's other piece of his foot. <laughs> <laughs> so Bravo with an atomic bomb. Haha, <laughs> get it, Japanese. And tags in Quake, who promptly misses an elbow. Hogan in with big rights and a body slam. And shockingly, Quinn, I was surprised here, because normally when Hogan body slams a fat guy, yeah. his back hurts the whole rest of the match. Yeah, I heard Earthquake died shortly <laughs> after that body slam there. <laughs> Was that what Hogan said? <laughs> Maybe it is. Hogan with some uh, technical moves like uh, biting here, which is... Uh, what I don't, is, what I don't is like that? that? Like, why did he do that? I don't... Why? That's one of my pet peeves, all right? Is when the heels haven't resorted to that type of behavior yet. Yeah. And the faces just do it first. Yeah. That's a little fugazi, don't you think? Also, I, it must be really hard to take a bite out of an earthquake. Okay. Double big boot to Earthquake by the faces there. And then a karate jump kick from Earthquake to Tugboat. Yeah. He must have learned that from his sumo days over in Japan or whatever, yes, right? exactly. Elbow by Earthquake, but Hogan breaks up the pin. Bravo in with his inspiring offense, such as stomps and elbow drops. Mm-hmm. He sucks. Quake yep. back in. He grabs a bear hug, but Tugger with a splash in the corner and a big clothesline to take Earthquake down. Bravo interferes with the megaphone. Even that Quinn got pissed off at the heel well, cheating there. That, I don't know. It just seemed over the top. But then again, he just bit him. So That's true. Vince says we've got trouble in River City. I guess that's what, Macon, Georgia. What is this? Like That's like a superstars thing. It like, sounds very men- superstars. Mentioning like, we're here in River City. We're in Hamtown. <laughs> we're, you know, like, oh, we're in tomato country. <laughs> yeah, always like some food. The biggest manufacturer of tractors in the United States. That might be making Georgia, actually. Yeah. So Quake beats up Typhoon for a while. Bravo does like this weird pose thing while drooling. Do you remember that? Yeah, Dino Bravo just sucks balls. Why is Typhoon like having trouble with him? <laughs> what is this? Nobody should ever have trouble with Dino Bravo. He sucks. He's the worst. <laughs> Why does he always show up on our show? Why is he always just leeched off an earthquake? Always. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anytime we see him since 1989, he's leeching off of earthquake. Thank God. 
that earthquake like finds camaraderie in like typhoon soon because then he can just throw Dino Bravo Seriously. off the boat or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. Or into the earthquake, whatever yeah. you want to call it there. So we get a false tag as a heels double team to slam tugboat. Earthquake goes for the finish, but Hogan runs in and clotheslines him, which was funny. And then Hogan swims towards Typhoon from the yeah. outside. I uh, guess okay. like because he's he's a, a boat. Tugboat, yeah. But boats don't swim; they sail. Shouldn't he like be pulling him in like Hulk, like the anchor? Yeah, or like something? he's he should have been like pulling him, him in, reeling yeah. him in, like he's a big fucking whale, <laughs> which he kind of is. Hogan's in, and I'm positive here that Bravo's going to eat the pin. And as I say that. Hogan does a funny this finish is amazing. here. <laughs> Hogan does a big boot into a schoolboy for the win. Somehow. <laughs> That's how That's, shitty. Dino Bravo, he doesn't even need the leg drop. No. He's, he's a shit. <laughs> schoolboy. Oh, God, why? Well, why was... is he still around? You know what's really crazy about Dino Bravo still being around? He lingered until April of 92. Mm. He had brown hair again. 92, Yes, Joe. 92. He was around for like another year. In a year where they had such a great roster, they had to... They had to have Dino Bravo on that great roster. Yeah, they kept like reincorporating him into things for Maybe, some reason. That's probably like why it's a little besmirched, why people don't look at 92 as well, because of Dino Bravo. You think it's Dino Bravo's fault? Possibly. And it, a lot of things are Dino Bravo's fault. Especially those cigarettes. Yeah. So we recap the Slaughter beating Warrior at the Rumble angle. You know, Sherry on her knees, Warriors being a jerk, mm-hmm. Savage with the lighting equipment. Uh-huh. Sherry runs in, Vince calls her a no-good witch. A lot. A lot as Warrior beats her up for no reason. This is at the Rumble. Yeah, you know, that whole beating her up thing. Come I on. I know she's being, like, annoying and yelling of stuff. Of course, she's But sherry. she hasn't physically done anything right. in this match. And Warrior grabs her by the hair, tosses her in the ring, gorilla press slams her, throws her outside to Sat. By the way, <laughs> sound like you now, how awesome is Sherry? Just again. Oh, she don't give a shit. The she bumps. She would jump off the roof if you let her. <sighs> Unbelievable, yeah. Sherry Marta. I just I needed to throw that out there. Anytime she's involved in a show, she's incredible. She always like impresses us. Yeah, she just raises the bar. I mean, th- what other women in the WWF anyway were ever like that to that yeah. point? Seriously. And I mean, a lot of women wouldn't take bumps like that now. I mean, that's a crazy bump to be lifted over someone's yeah. head and thrown out to the outside. Yeah. Awesome bump. Then the scepter shot. And uh, Quinn and I have a favorite moment here. Slaughter's shittiest elbow <laughs> drop ever to get the pin on Warrior. I like it because it, it comes off like he needs to like pretend like he did something. Yes. <laughs> and, and it's it's like actually like you can tell there's like some psychology and heel stuff going on yeah. there. It's really good. It is. It's like, well, I need to make sure that I do one move so Earl thinks that I did something. You know? Right, exactly. So it looks like I beat him. Right, and it wasn't just a scepter shot. Yeah. And then Slaughter celebrates with the purple title belt, which he quickly changed to black, as we'll see later. So Mean Gene is with General Adnan, one of the worst managers ever. Uh, yeah, he did make the list yeah, thanks to uh joe, joe merkel joe merkel yep we now have a list a list not it's kind of like the suggestions thing yeah, but it a, has like all the rushmore's death valleys documented yeah a fan did this for us and maybe multiples i'm not sure if other people collaborate but thank you guys just as a quick side note there thank you for doing that that's really nice we'll of you i have to link that I, i'll put yeah. a link on the home page ovppodcast.com yeah the home page yeah <laughs> html 1.0 home yeah, page homepage. do we have a hit counter at the bottom the there hub. <laughs> I can add a hit counter if you want. Please don't. So, do we have a MySpace yet? No, we're not. Joe, stop. All right. So, Mean Gene wants nothing to do with Adnan because he's doing his usual. Quite literally. Is he really saying anything? 
I don't know. Actually, like, I don't. Like I want to say yes, but I don't know what language it is or if he really is or not. Okay, and what he's saying. If anyone out there knows, let us know. But Minji's like, oh, stop! No, no! And then yeah. <laughs> Slaughter has the belt strapped around his waist. It's like so high, way too high. He's good during this run. Yes, you know, on the um, WrestleMania episode, I remember Scott like crapping on like Sergeant Slaughter's title match. Yeah, or you know, I don't like him. Yeah. I kind of disagree. I, I think, do too. I think this run is fine. A lot of people remember it. It's so, a fine heel transitional champion run. Yeah, it's not supposed to be anything other than that. So what's the big deal? He's fine. Slaughter's good during this. Like, yeah. He's actually good. Yeah. He's good promo and he's fine in the ring. Like I don't know what you I mean, expect he, He's okay him. in the ring. Yeah. But I mean, he's not like... For a 42-year-old or whatever well, he was. Also, considering it's like 1991. Yeah. Like, this, this is acceptable. Her Karana's? Yeah. Like, what should he be doing? Yeah. He's, he's fine. Yeah. So anyway, Slaughter says we're playing by his rules now and they're very effective yeah what is that about it's like he's like giving instructions or something yeah, it's very my effective. rules are very effective uh yeah like what see is me he, after class what is he dean douglas <laughs> they're my rules and they're very effective so he's fighting duggan tonight and quinn you told me that we're gonna be able to hear the yo's during that match. oh yeah all the yo's <laughs> so slaughter's parting line is sergeant slaughter world wrestling <laughs> federation champion for, for life, life. <laughs> yep that's that, an awesome it's, it's so what a proclamation especially considering it would be like three months yeah like, just but how bombastic it yeah. is to like nope champion for life he's i'm never dictator. losing yeah he's a dictator he's a dick so piper says uh as slaughter comes out without adnan piper says slaughter's uh getting a little girth on him yeah and then yeah. adnan like teleports into yeah. the ring like quite literally like the he's next in the ring they like Next shot, he's just there. It was very weird. Uh, Duggan enters with the Hulkster, and Joey Morello's the ref, by the way. And the we, Huckster himself. The Huckster himself is uh, with Duggan here, and we take a break, and apparently during the break, we come back. Morella, <laughs> this makes yeah. a lot of sense. Joey Morella's whose son? Uh, Gorilla. Morella ejects Hogan for not being a manager. He doesn't have a license. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> he learned from his dad. I mean, he learned from the best. Gorilla's a big stickler for having the proper licenses. I'm sure, Jesse Devotty, that Earthquake does not have a manager's license. Why is he allowed out there? Now, how do you know he doesn't? Because he's a wrestler and you can't hold both licenses. Oh! I'm surprised he doesn't ask them to take it out of their back pocket, <laughs> their back trunk's pocket and like show the wrestling license before the match. <laughs> Imagine like Gorilla like raising Joey like one of the things you have to do is make sure they have their license Joey. Yeah. <laughs> so, Stupid. So, Sarge and Duggan shove each other to start. Slaughter claims I love this. He claims a hair pull. I love that spot. Yeah. I love when a bald guy claims that he had his hair. Bigelow did it too sometimes. Well it's funny. I mean even, you never even, know. If, you, even if you have one like stray hair it you could, could be pulled. It could sting. Yeah. <laughs> it hurt. Yeah. <laughs> Dugging with big rights, lots of them. I can hear the yo's, Quinn. You're right. The yo's are yoing. They're yoing. We get a back body drop by Duggan. Yep. Slaughter gets closed onto the outside, and then Adnan has like a fairy magic wand. He had like an actual, like, you know, like a magician's wand with yeah. the white part, like on the top. Yes. They just put tinfoil. I swear <laughs> there's tinfoil it's like over it. like a prop it. they got at a party fair or yeah, something. It's, it's literally the kind you get with like a child's magic kit. Like it's supposed to be his like horse whip or whatever that like generals have i guess in what century no that's like the general whip thing yeah, but like, who are they whipping over there really nobody but like it's so like it's it? like the traditional like baton whip thing that a general's supposed to have so it's traditional in the way that like in in your homeland of england there they store the stupid powdered wigs in parliament or whatever they do I guess. in the court my high, homeland high court more like richard land's homeland hey chaps this is richard land 
So it occurs to me, Quinn, as Duggan punches and yo's over here, mm-hmm. that this is actually now the second match where the opponents in it would form tag teams. We had Earthquake and Typhoon earlier. Uh-huh. And Slaughter and Duggan were a pretty shitty tag team in 92. Yeah, during Slaughter's, like, reconciliation <laughs> with America or whatever. I want my country back! Before he became the commissioner of the World Wrestling Federation and spit on people and stuff. You two buffoons! Yeah. So Slaughter takes over and rams Duggan with a 2 by 4 in the throat while Morello wasn't looking. And are those his effective rules? I'm wondering. But I mean, it was effective. It was I don't effective. know if they're rules. We get some back raking by Slaughter, which Quinn takes a little umbrage yeah, with. What, like, what is he, a lady? Like, you would have to grow your name out for that to work yeah most people like their back scratch with like a normal like man nail like that length with like a flat nail yeah, yeah. with like a regular nail that doesn't really hurt the only person that that should work for is like sensational sherry or exactly. something like, like a lady yeah that should have been a gimmick that like some guy would just grow out one i bet you that was something in like a territory yeah where a guy grew his nails out folks if you know let us know or mike mills <laughs> <laughs> yeah mike mills let us know so check out mike mills show by the way it's yeah. a very good show very good booking the territory with mike mills cheap plug uh, Duggan with the comeback and Slaughter takes his classic over the turnbuckle bump. I love that bump. Pretty good. It's really good to the outside. Adnan like almost okay. does something. Let me what was explain that? this. He like he kind of like runs at Duggan like to Duggan's back like he's going to hit him. Yeah. And then he like hesitates because he like fucked up the spot or <laughs> yeah. something. Yeah. Right. And like he does it again on Later. the other side. And then finally on the third side of the ring, mm-hmm. they fi- he finally does it. He sucks. Adnan, Adnan sucks. sucks. He's bad at everything. <laughs> Fuck him. Wasn't he one of the top heel managers in some promotion Man, we reviewed East once? Bumblefuck wherever. No, no like late, like in the mid nineties. Was it AWF? Was he like their top manager? Oh, or like UWF? God, it was one of those. something that didn't matter. It was definitely something that didn't matter, and he didn't have the mustache. He was no mustache. (laughs) So anyway. Stinks. (laughs) He does. He's literally like the worst manager ever. He's a terrible manager. Him and Humperdinck. Yeah. Slaughter whacks Duggan with a chair on the outside and Morella calls for the DQ. Those are the effective rules, I guess. Slaughter then on the inside of the ring beats down Duggan with some very poor chair shots like Mm -hmm. tap. Yeah. (laughs) Tap. And then Hogan runs in to make the save. However, Slaughter beats him up with a chair and then just leaves. He beats leaves. the shit out of him yeah. and he spits on both him yes. and Duggan and then leaves. And then he just leaves. And, and then the- he hugs his, the Hogan gets up and hugs his little crony Duggan. <laughs> his mid-card crony and there. Like, taps his head and like oh, makes him feel, it's gonna be okay, brother. God. Now, God. Now, this is the biggest problem that comes out of all of this. Yes, go ahead. Is so Duggan has technically now defeated Sergeant Slaughter by disqualification. Yeah. So how did Duggan not get a title like rematch. Yeah, right. Duggan now is now again in line. Yes. So now this whole situation is very muddled. Because Warrior still needs a rematch. Yeah, and then you always have the Intercontinental Champion looming. Right, which, who is that at this point? Is it Perfect? Perfect, yeah. yeah. Perfect probably wasn't interested, right? No, probably not. He just not. wanted to make fun of Boss but Man. technically, okay, like, I always include that in the list when we get to WrestleMania. Yes. At any time it's WrestleMania time, it's like, well, the Intercontinental Champion is like a lock. Allegedly. Yeah. Yes, allegedly. And, <laughs> and like, permanently in the number one contender, according to, like, the Fed's rules or yeah. something. <laughs> and then you got all these other people who, like, got boned. Yes, boned is and then Hulk Hogan. Yes. Who also got boned, probably. I guess we'll get to that. Brutus Bone Cake. Yeah. So our next match here is the Legion of Doom versus the Orient Express, Quinn. This is called a Legion of Doom is gonna win match. (laughs) That's the stipulation. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So Mean Gene's with the LOD, and uh, basically this promo boils down to them having problems with Japanese cars. Now, I said this before. Yeah. I was like, is this going into, like, a car thing? You were being facetious, though. I I, I really was. Like, I was genuinely, like, just 
kind of joking or whatever. Quinn about it. And then they go on yeah. and on and start talking about like Hondas and Toyotas and stuff. Yeah. And that they're better than them because of that. Those Japanese compacts can't keep up with full size models. Uh, Hawk actually says, you know, uh, Orient Express has oh what a feeling. Yeah, and he also they, mentions compact cars versus full size sedans or something. The are they, yeah, they're gas guzzlers. I'll tell you that much. Ugh. Thank you. I hate Ellen. That's an awful they promo. Blow ass. Fuck them. Ugh. Quinn's mad. Only like a couple months before <laughs> this, we had demolition. They were fine. Everyone liked them. They were way better. And now we got this bullshit. Settle we got that. fucking Ford in Japan. I'm gonna uh, knock your coke over if you're not uh, careful over there. So this is the good, the good Orient Express, by the way, the, yes. the Kato version, not, not Sato, not, not Sato, who's Shinja. looking for Hakushi at this yeah. point, <laughs> or Judge Cheeto, yeah, <laughs> Judge Cheeto, yeah. So uh, yeah, we we know the Express are gonna lose. So Quinn Quinn got a little upset there about the LOD, and I don't blame him because it's, fuck the LOD. It's ridiculous because here's the other thing: is yeah. the Express has been like really trying for the last couple months yeah. with the Rockers, that yes. feud and everything. They're good wrestlers. And having good matches. It's and bad here, company. Here we go. We gotta make Legion of Doom look good because they suck at wrestling. <sighs> Danny, I hate them. Why should I like them? You shouldn't like them. Yeah. By the way, Danny Davis is the ref and he has like the short hair. He looks a lot better. As we've been saying in WWF 1982 yeah. video reviews, yes. like it's getting very annoying already and it, we're only in 1982. His hair is very annoying for years. Yeah. yeah years for various years. reasons too. Yeah. Uh, sometimes he looks like Shemp. Sometimes it looks like a big bowl of pudding on his head. <laughs> sometimes he just looks like you could like turn him upside down and mop the floor. <laughs> so in case you're new around here, the Legion of Doom throw the Express around for a while and I'll say this, there's at least good selling by uh, Tanaka and Kato. They, they mm-hmm. flip around, they bump around. And like look like idiots. They do all the work basically. Yep. And then Fuji with the ceremonial salt, which is a great little touch there. And I say good. Like, yeah. get him out. Get Laurenitis out of here. <laughs> animal. Fuck animal. <laughs> and, like, also, this is weird because there's that weird parallel yeah. with Axe's eyes are closed. You can't open them, yeah. but it's like the Legion of Doom. Yeah. So, and they're like demolition. Like, right. it's like. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. I feel like Lord Alfred should be here. Yeah, exactly. Animal's eyes are closed. He yeah. can't open yeah. them. <laughs> and uh, Animal Laurenitis here does come back quickly. By the way, who's the leader of the LOD? A uh, hawk. Okay, just checking. Did, you know, Joe, I have like, there's certain people like Luke is the leader of Bushwhackers. Oh, Bushwhackers, right. So who's the leader of the Orient Express? I would definitely say it's Tanaka, Tanaka right? like, yeah. without question, without- <laughs> like because there was like other people, like yeah. he was the constant. But then again, technically, like Fuji is he's the guiding force behind but them, in, right? In ring, Tanaka's the captain. Okay, good. Yeah, that's. I was hoping you would say Tanaka. I, I even thought I that even when S- there was just Saito, Sato, whatever, they're the same. Who is the leader of Saito and Fuji when they were a team? Definitely Fuji. Okay, yeah, good. without question. <laughs> So you could like that should be like a game we do one time we where you should. just like go down a bunch of tag teams and ask like Quinn's thoughts on like who <laughs> the captain should. is. That's a good one. Someone remember that. We want yeah. to do that. So anyway, Animal comes back quickly from the uh, condiment being thrown in his face, makes the tag to Hawk, and that's that. Doomsday Device gets the win. At least the crowd was happy. I wasn't. It was yeah, an LOD squash. I was just mad the whole time. Yep. So Mean Gene now is in the ring with the esteemed president, Jack Tunney, Mm -hmm. here to name the number one contender for WrestleMania. I got to say one thing about this. Jack Tunney should come in the ring and go, never fucking again will people who deserve it get title shots. (laughs) Yeah, because Gene mentions Hogan. Yeah. He mentions Warrior. He mentions Duggan. Yes. He mentions Savage. All possibilities. Savage who, for the record, 
was promised yes. by Sergeant Slaughter. And yes. it's even mentioned on this episode. Gene says it. Gene says it. Not only that, they play back yes. the thing where Slaughter's like, I promise uh, that puke savage a shot as well. Like, he, like, it's all on tape. It's there. Savage has been owed for like six months. Warrior, who the fuck was he? That he could just like, you know that guy who beat Dusty Rhodes? Fuck him. Like, he doesn't get a title <laughs> shot. This is egregious, this whole Savage thing. Like, it's insane. <laughs> He's been waiting for a while now. Never fucking again will Savage get a title yeah, shot. I mean, he might as well have just said that. <laughs> and and fuck Duggan. He never got a title shot. <laughs> yeah, but he did beat him. Yeah, he did. He, he won. <laughs> no, but Quinn, Hogan has to do this. Who did he beat? Tell me. 29 other men at the Royal Rumble. 28. Savage wasn't in it. Now, that wasn't Fair, a stipulation But yet, that though. is not a thing. He he also won it in 90 that when was he was just, champion. That was just a special it, event it at just, that time. Yeah, so it was just an attraction. Yeah. So anyway, after intense deliberation, according to Tony. After intense deliberations. The number one contender is Hoke. Hogan, it's always Hulk Hogan. It's February, so it's Hulk Hogan. It's always Hulk Hogan. Yep. If Tunney has to announce a number one contender and Hogan's in the company, guess what? The number one contender is Hulk Hogan. My favorite part is they clip to the crowd and there's like one dad who's like, <laughs> who's like, this is the greatest thing ever. Like, he's so surprised, right? Yeah. And then there's another dad in front of him that's like, oh, really? Like, like, <laughs> like, like not surprised, just more yeah. disappointed. Must have been one of the smarks, an yeah. early smark, you know, that's like, oh, of course it's Hogan. I'm pretty much. I'm. I'm pretty sure if we had like demelts or whatever his like dirt sheets right in front of us, yeah. that like everyone wanted it to be savage. That I, was I don't a, know. That was a smart. I mean, yeah, a few hundred people at that point, probably. I also think it is very ironic that the entire year of 1990, people were overlooking like Savage mm-hmm. and bitching about the Ultimate Warrior, like not being like they just wanted Hoke, right? Yeah, they wanted Hoke. They just wanted Hoke, right? And then we get to WrestleMania Seven, and Hoke gets up, gets put over, right? But yes. then who has the best fucking thing like not, ever? Not Hoke. Ultimate Warrior right. and Randy Savage. No Hoke. The two people that was overlooked the whole year. All of 90. All of 90. They're That's the, it. They're the best thing. <laughs> best thing. Meanwhile, Hoke has this match, and it's basically like, it's okay. It's a good Hoke match. Yeah, and I say it's just good because Regis does the commentary. Right, but with the Regis. He's beautiful, though. He's Regis of, doesn't even know Hogan's name. Regis is a Hall of Famer in my eyes. And, the Hulka. Yeah, the Hulka. And <laughs> he also, speaking of uh, Toyota and everything, he does that at WrestleMania 7 also. <laughs> Lots of xenophobia running through uh, 1991 yeah. here. Shaw Mooney. Eh, where did he come from, by the way? Where, yeah, he, where, where, where was, was he the whole show? Gene <laughs> was doing all the heavy lifting. Like, Mooney comes in, oh, pay me $2 for my podcast, Sergeant Slaughter. <laughs> and <laughs> Slaughter's like, I don't care if it's Hulk Hogan. Cheer if you want to. And you said to me, did anyone at all think that Sergeant Slaughter was possibly going to beat Hulk Hogan. The whole thing's screwy. I can't imagine anyone thought so. Down to Slaughter being the champion, down to the people who were like, should have title shots, like Warrior, like Savage, and like all those people, and Duggan, even even Duggan. These are all people that are... He beat him! He fucking won! Well, by DQ. But it yes. doesn't matter. It it's doesn't, a win. It, a win's a win, Joe. I'm really stretching it In there. the World Wrestling Federation. Did Nikolai Volkov beat him by DQ? Because then we're really grasping Listen, at straws here. I will, I will say this to you. Your hero, Gorilla Monsoon, yeah. and mine as well, would say... <laughs> He's in our the, hero now? <laughs> ...would say in the history books, it is written that Duggan defeated 
slaughter in it's a true. WWF championship match. It doesn't say how, but it'll say in Macon, Georgia, that yeah. Jim Duggan defeated Sergeant Slaughter. He did. That's true. So Slaughter says it's his belt, and he doesn't have to share it with anyone. Meh. This is my belt, and I don't have to share it with anybody. He is right, technically. Mm-hmm. Now Hogan is in the ring with Mean Gene Okerlund. Enough of him already. <laughs> mean seen, Gene or Hogan? No, Hogan. We've seen him in every fucking thing. It's like true. He doesn't go away. And people complain about Roman Reigns now. It yeah, was going on back then. It, I don't want to hear yeah, it. No, but it's not as many segments as this. This is like the whole <laughs> yeah, damn show. That's what I'm saying. Like, we never get a respite from this <laughs> no. fucker. Like, he's been in every segment. Yeah. Literally. He's been involved somehow. Well, in not, not, not in the, the LOD. Orient Express thing. No, not there. He doesn't like Japanese people, remember? I'm issuing a challenge to either you or the Jap, brother. Uh, Hogan talks about his USO tour. He went to Fort Bragg. Well, that's fitting because that's what he does. So Hogan doesn't Aww. understand. <laughs> Hogan doesn't understand what this war is about because he keeps talking. And I, I, I'm making fun of Hogan here and yes. not anyone because I know Marty Howell. I think is a, a war vet. Right. I'm not making fun of anyone who served in the military. I'm not making fun of Hulk Hogan, which right. is fine by me. But he doesn't understand the war because he's talking about how America's freedom was being fought yes, for. He's acting, which was not. He's it was acting Kuwait's like freedom. we're being yes, like we're being invaded or like pe- they went against Americans, like. This is about Kuwait, if yeah. I recall. From what I understand, Iraq invaded Kuwait. Right. And it's all about oil anyway. So we yeah. jumped in to save Kuwait's ass. Right. It wasn't us. Iraq didn't invade us. Yeah. He's he's saying like... He's acting like, like this is the revolutionary like we war got or something. or something. Yeah. Right? Like, which we didn't. Yeah. We jumped into something. I I, I'm know. sure there's a plethora, as Lex Luger would say, of right. reasons. And a whole plethora. What? I don't know! But I don't really care. I'm just making fun of Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Anyway, this is the fourth demandment era. Remember? Mm-hmm. Training, prayers, vitamins, and believing in yourself. You know he added the fifth one at some point, and it was like... Love Hulk, Hulk Hogan or like something? Like, Hulkamania is the best thing ever. I'm not kidding. Like, <laughs> Hulkamania it. lives forever or something. That's stupid. It's real. So Hogan says Slaughter would dump gallons of oil and fire Scud missiles at the little Hulkamaniacs. This is ridiculous. I'm, I'm sorry. Like, you need to rein a little bit of yeah. this in, because it's like... <laughs> it doesn't feel like it's in, like even respectful to the troops or whatever. He's getting a little over the top. It's like this fucking guy that is like an Iraqi sympathizer. That's all is he just is. Yelling shit and like <laughs> that's like worse than like people fighting each other. He's not going to dump oil on the whole Khamenei. Yeah, he's not going to fire Scud missiles right. at him. Yeah. it's just a title belt. It's not yeah. even real. Yeah, Hogan pledges though. He pledges for his country for God that he's going to win the title. Calm down. Yeah. yeah <laughs> right? I mean, to, it's not life or death here. Yeah. I, that's a weird thing to pledge to win. Yeah. And he specifically says to win the WWF title. Yeah. Like, WWF. Take, yeah. <laughs> take it easy, Hogan. Yeah. Oh, well, one last pledge. We did the Pledge of Allegiance and somehow Quinn shoehorns, because you know it irritates me, mm-hmm. a Bret Hart and Santa Claus reference into well, the Pledge of Allegiance. This feels like that for some reason. Like it, it feels like a strange. <laughs> it's just the whole thing is strange very very as i like to say ham-fisted yes that segment was extremely ham-fisted a lot of ham a lot of pandering i also noticed too that like he's doing when he does that pledge thing it's mirroring when sergeant slaughter did the pledge to iron sheik or whatever 84 or something like that yeah so is he like throwing that back in his face or something is that that intentional that might be something that i can see vince or patterson or somebody thinking of and saying why don't you do that you know nobody remembers yeah or it's just coincidental i'm not sure so anyway yeah uh, hogan waves the flag and then he leaves vince and roddy say goodbye and thank you because that wasn't very good no copyright 1991 yeah that's it (laughs) and that was it so i mean quinn it's pretty safe to see as we've gone through now all five of these the first two are the only ones that matter yeah the first two are the only really good ones i mean main event three 
on paper, it's like, okay, Hogan, Savage on paper. Buster Douglas is the ref. But ultimately, it wound up being just a big, stupid 20-minute, like, nothing. Yeah. Like, we watched it. It was like, and this doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. There, there were stakes at the first two. Yeah, and they it, were a big deal. It was a big deal. And the third one was whatever. The accidental fourth one that we just saw was really stupid. I give them a mulligan on that one yeah. just because they didn't, like, know it was going to be that. Right. Yeah. But this fifth one, you could clearly see that, all right, interest in the product is has been waning anyway mm-hmm. since uh, probably around the time the Warrior won the belt and the Zahorian bus is impending. But we're on the cusp of a, a big downturn as far as financially and as far as the public eye. However... We're about to embark on a really good WrestleMania. Yep. And then as late 91 happens, a really good creative period yep. throughout 92. The creative renaissance of late 91 yeah. and 92. I love it, but this feels like 1990s leftovers, you know, yep. being That's scooped exactly up. That's exactly what it feels like. It just wasn't very good, and and I'm not going to say that I particularly enjoyed this show, although I did like your rant about uh, the, the whole savage situation it's here. It's bullshit. It is. Like, <laughs> the logic is broken, and they do this shit again the next year. They do. Oh, we're Hulk. just Ho- Hogan gets the title shot again because because Hulk like, Hogan and he's like really far removed. Like he had his chance at the Royal Rumble, <laughs> right? Like enough. Like. <laughs> so, folks, speaking of enough, that'll be enough for us right now. Thank you so much for kicking off another season with us here on season nine, episode eighty-one. Next week, we will be back for another episode. And one other thing: be sure tomorrow, May fifteenth, to wish Quinn a very happy <laughs> birthday on the Facebook groups. If you haven't joined the Facebook group yet. Go ahead and do so. You can also reach us on Twitter at OVP Podcast or send us an email. So until next time, we will be giving you another dose of your retro wrestling goodness. I am Joe Morata. That is Michael Quinn saying so long. See ya. Justice for all. And you can hear the yo!